Phoenix, and you're listening to the Absolute Geek Podcast. My name is Matt. My name's Kyle. I'm Brian. I'm Corbin. I'm Travis. Hey, welcome, Travis. Oh, yeah. it's good to be back, guys. Hey, welcome, Travis. Welcome to people. There we go. People who can't see us. What the hell is on the screen right now? Dude, everything is all still junked up. I got it. We're good. We're good to go. We're going on at home. I like that in the corner. Yeah, it's gone now. <laughs> I recycle as if my own farts. <laughs> it's gone Is that now. Gang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, I hopefully, the wrong number when the conversation starts. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, everyone's enjoying your Comic Con at home. Journey. <laughs> Having a great Comic Con at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it is a glitch in the Matrix. Very glitch in the Matrix. You're welcome. Yeah, it is a great opening, isn't it, Grizzle Geek? I thought it was funny. I liked it. It was yeah, very it creative. Funny. I like. Yeah, the, I, love it. I personally like the "Why the hell am I? Why the hell am I on camera?" by <laughs> Mike's wife. That's personally my favorite part. What's going on, guys? How's it going? What's end of the Wait week? For the storm. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Hopefully it doesn't knock my power out to where we lose the show. Yeah. Do you guys have any, like, uh, stormy night traditions? You have, like, like sick day. You know, if you want sick days, they have, like, a go-to movie or, like, a go-to thing they one. do. Kyle has a code-to drink. Uh, what do you got, Brian? I go look for toads. Toads? Yeah. Just in your Ooh. yard? No, bro. Nah, bro. <laughs> bro. I thought they you don't come out the until. I thought they only come out after the rain. Yeah. You got. You come out right as the rain's hitting the ground, man. Oh wow. My old man, we, uh, you know, I grew up in the Philippines. Uh, that's where I was born, and my old man uh, was a golfer. He's also a drinker. And when it would rain, as soon as it stopped raining, we in the Philippines they had this house built and this had this big concrete fence, and the the toads would gather on the fence so he'd take his nine iron out there and he'd find a toad and if you if you tap it on the head it you know gets all swollen up and then he, once it swell up he'd just take that nine iron and just boom chip him over the fence and i so he'd get me he'd get me out there holding the flashlight, flashlight. <laughs> and then it was just yeah. one one less toad in the yard yeah these toads are too big to do that too though they're like oh yeah they're like dinner plates, bro. Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah. They're big. So you're hoping to find some tonight if it rains? Be the first time in two years, man. This fire. Yeah. It's been a long time. Been a long time waiting. 
do you have like a is there like a toad hunting like soundtrack or like you got a playlist for that uh you fly to the bumblebee yeah yeah <laughs> uh, usually pink floyd man right pink floyd that would be pink good floyd yeah yeah goes with it. you know you know what toads pink were floyd, talking pink. about right do you know do you know what i'm talking about travis uh, maybe not. I, I mean, I've seen big toads, but I don't know the name of the specific desert toad you're talking so about. So every monsoon in Arizona, it um, we have uh, a special type of toad here in the Sonoran Desert called the Sonoran Desert Toad, Bufalobarius. Um, and uh, it is the only place in the known universe to get 5-MeO-DMT from. Do you know what 5-MeO-DMT is? I know what DMT is. I don't know what 5-MeO-DMT is. 5-MeO-DMT is like DMT on aliens. Like DMT on DMT. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And you got to be kind to them. You, you have to treat them very nice. You have to let them go. And, and if they jump it back into the street, when you let them go, you have to chase after them and catch them and put them back in the desert. Uh, do, you melt, do you like have to melt their little toad nipples? How does this work? Uh, I'm not going to get into it yet. Uh, <laughs> here, but, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So be kind and uh, they'll do you well. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe like a, maybe some romantic music then. I feel like this process, well, hey, whatever works, well. man. Yeah. Whatever get them in the mood. Get some candy. That, you know what romantic music yeah. is to them? That rain falling on their, on the ground. That's romantic music to them. That's why they're coming out. Oh. Coming out to mate, they spend uh, ten months of the year. Ten months of the year they spend underground, and we didn't have a monsoon last year, so they've been basically underground <coughs> for two years. So I'm coming out. I want the world to know I'm yep. a fucked up toad. <laughs> yeah, there's the soundtrack right there. Right on. That's a good. That's actually a good. That's actually the best answer to what do you do? What's a rainy day tradition that that I've that I've heard? It's fun, man. It's fun. Um, let's get back to fucking comics here. Uh, San Diego. What uh, What do you guys want to talk about? Of all the craziness going on in San Diego that was released. It, I was the so image much. One. Oh my god. Well, Donny Cage. You, man, what the fuck? What, what the fuck did Donny Cage do? Ah, yeah, he didn't fuck. He didn't sell his book. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. What did he do? He talked. He didn't do anything, did he? He he tried dancing around it. He didn't know how to dance around it, but he tried anyway. And it dancing just, around what? Like he didn't really want. Um, so he didn't want to give too much of the plot out. Yeah, but, he's pitching a new book for Image called Crossover, and essentially from way all the way. The other, it, is it all DC and, and Marvel and image crossing over? So it, yeah. essentially the way yeah. he pitched it is it's about a comic book store worker and the comic book somehow comes to life. And all of a sudden all these heroes from Marvel DC image are all going to be in one universe in our world, the real world. And it's how they deal with the destruction of the world from these characters and how they deal with stuff like that. And uh, all I got from it was like issue six is the one to look out for. It's the one to get. Yeah. Issue that's six the one is the one on. where crazy stuff happens. So that's the one to spec on. And that's kind of what Colin was saying. It was like, uh, I guess this the issue, all the speckers are going to be after issue six now. 
Because Donny well, Cates is sitting know, here going, been, issue we've six. Been, we've been seeing those in a lot of comics re- recently. You know, uh, Marvel's had uh, streaks of Superman and Green Lantern and shit in their comics, and vice versa has had other, you know, DC's had Marvel stuff and Image and all kinds of stuff. Matter of fact, there's even been Star Wars. Um, they saw TIE Fighters and Thor. So, like, there's some crazy shit. And if we're talking about everything crossing over, that's amazing. And I got to hand it to them. Like, you pulled it off, man. You pulled off something that not even... We haven't read it. Yeah. But if you got them together, like, when's the last time they did that? Like, Marvel and Avengers, uh, Avengers um, JLA with Perez? Like, what? I can't think of anything where it's been that big. He's Donny Cates. So, right, essentially, right now, anything he says they're going to go for because he's the biggest name in comics. But he, he was describing it in a way, if he would have described it closer to how Matt just did, it would have sounded more interesting. But the way he did it, man, it made me totally tune out what he was talking about. Well, it's because he like was stuttering and stumbling and fumbling all over his words. And then like yeah. the artist on the book was on there talking and he looked like he was drunk and he sounded like he was drunk. So it was just... Out. Yeah, it was. Thing. They were burp, bleeping out curse words. It I mean, I, I can. Weird. I don't really care about the curse word part, but it just, it just didn't. I don't know, man. I just don't think they sold it well. But I feel like that's a common theme in a lot of what we're seeing in these panels, aside from the New Mutants one, which I think was done really well. I feel like they all are on the cusp of selling you something really exciting, but don't quite get there, and you walk away going, eh. I mean, I did the whole Marvel What's New, and mind you, I didn't even expect a whole lot that, that you know, we didn't already know just because of their own event they're going to be doing and everything. But it, at the end of it, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, great. You know, they had that one, oh, you don't want to, this big surprise, which was about, you know, the Green Goblin 850, which we've known for weeks. And it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like you're right. Like, none of it was drummed up. I think that that panel was emblematic of what, I, what, kind of feels to be the theme of this comic-con like it's all there but it's not quite selling you in anything i think the pro this is the problem for me and i was talking about this to somebody today if i was sitting there in san diego listening to donny cates do that yeah i would have been super excited yeah yep but i think just because i was sitting in my living room i was just watching it it didn't have that comic-con feel it just felt like I was watching something on YouTube. It just wasn't – it didn't excite me the way – like if you're sitting there live and it's happening, you're like, fuck yes. You know how that that feel of Comic-Con I is? I, I think that if it was – if we were there, it would have been different. I guarantee if we were there, Matt and I would have walked out going, crossover, fucking crossover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we would have been – we would have been fucking balls deep in it waiting for it. Yeah, it's interesting that because we're all virtual now, marketers have to find new creative ways to release information with hype around it. You know, that live, when you were in San Diego, that was an event, and events are great places to do that. But I wonder if some of them are holding back on some of this kind of wham-bam information because, like, this is maybe isn't the platform that it's going to be best is going to have the, the greatest in impact. Um, it, it, I mean, it's an interesting dilemma for a marketing person to kind of have to market stuff in this this world now. Um, so I don't know. 
it just didn't it didn't grab me by the the short hairs, you know. Yeah. Like yeah, even, I've been, yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about those hair. yeah, those hairs too. You should probably trim those hairs up. I think I think this is too short, you know. They might be too short. Yeah, you're doing too much manscaping, brother. But yeah, I don't know. What what are your total thoughts on the con as as a whole? I mean, you just mentioned most of the colleague like, like it's watching YouTube, and I I kind of agree. I'm not gonna lie, like it's like oh, this you know I think that it's cool that they have, and I was telling this to Matt earlier, a plethora of panels that if I was at the actual experience that I would never have even thought to watch <laughs> or been interested in, but now since they're readily available, I'll tune in for like a moment or two and just check it out. Um, it, for stuff that wouldn't even be on my radar if I was physically there because you have to decide, you know, where you're going and what you're allotting your time to. So I think that was unique and I, I like that. Um, I go back and forth between whether I enjoy the con, um, the way they release the videos according to the time and not just everything that one day. Like, they, you know. Like, on, all you're doing is just watching videos on YouTube. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I got to yeah. be honest. Like, I've, I've been to San Diego multiple times. And you know how many... Uh, uh, panels I've been to? How many? Zero. What? I never go to the panels. What? You don't even want to? Or no. Just, it never I'd happened? rather be on the floor. I'd rather be fucking around on the floor, doing cool shit on the floor than sitting, waiting in line for a panel. Because that's what you do 90% of the time is wait in line. So, you know what? This made it a little bit easier for me to watch stuff like because that's how I would have digested it anyways is waited a couple days and catched up on everything on 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 YouTube. So it was nice to be able to watch it. I watched the New Mutant stuff and I got to be honest, I'm looking forward to New Mutants now. After seeing those new trailers and new new uh, magic badass her carrying that sword and you know chopping shit up with that sword fuck yeah i'm really into it so i was hyped to fuck when they showed the first five minutes of the the movie in the, you in know the they, panel they should have done it they should have made it like leaks with shitty cell phone videos and that's how they should because there's it's cool getting those shitty cell phone videos of inside the panels you know what i mean and maybe they should have like that's how they yeah you're right that's how they used to be for the longest time is yeah because somebody would film it and it would be and they would drop it out and that's how you were like yeah and I think that is part of the allure. And I think just, and I think we're just so used to, and it's cool. Like, you know, I'll eventually go back and watch everything again. But just when you've had the excitement of San Diego and all this stuff is coming out, there's, a, it's, it's a different, it's, it's a different feel. It's a different animal. Did they try to recreate the vendor experience at all? Were there like ads of personal vendors that were kind of popping up throughout it? Did they try to do anything like that for the the sellers that would usually come to those things? Or no, the exclusives are a little bit to... harder to find. Like that's yeah. not like you know, I mean, you have to go to like people's websites now to find exclusives and figure out what the exclusives are and stuff. I know that's a little bit more of a oh God. yeah, it's been it, a nightmare. It would have been neat if they had like I don't I'm not sure how it's set up, but um if they had personal vendors could drop in and you could click on it, open up another browser. So while you're in the panel, you can like shop a personal vendor's thing or you can shop an artist's gallery. That would have been kind of a neat way to, to try to recreate some of that vendor experience and some of the profits for those vendors that are losing out on that big money. Agreed. And some of it's pre-recorded, and I think that takes it's a lot of the all fun out of it. Too. All of it. I think all their recorded. Oh, I think okay. that takes the fun out of it. That they, makes a big difference. And, yeah. and that makes you know, it makes me think that they were expecting backlash of some sort because all panels are pre-recorded, 
and all comments and chats are turned off. So you mm. can't you can't talk to other people watching the panel. You can't leave comments on the video. No interaction. Nothing. No interaction mm. from a fan perspective. Yeah, zero just interaction. Engage, just taking it and you can't give any feedback. Unless you want to do a Twitter sweepstakes. I mean, or I get Twitter. it. It's, it's the first one. Next year when they have to do it like this, it'll be a lot better. You think they'll have to? I was thinking that they're going to have to lean to doing this as well. But you don't think there'll be one next year either? I don't think it I'll be LA, back. LA Comic Con's going ahead in November. They released their guidelines. Yeah, for, but California shut back down. Yeah, That's but I heard. they released their guidelines for how the, the, the convention's going to be held in the amount of attendees and the way things are going to happen. They've already released it. So they're planning on going forward. Not so, if the city shut down. We'll have to see. <laughs> well, do you think they're going to bypass the shutdown order? And well, I mean, we're going to have to I see if they shut them back down or not. <laughs> you know? They're just going to do it anyway. Got to flatten the curve. But, I mean, if you can't have gatherings more than 50, how are they going to do it? That... What if we do it flea market style? Like a bunch of people just set up little tents and and things like that. Let's just go rogue. You know, I know they they are planning on having more than 50 people. They're having an attendance. Mm. And I I know California is still kind of like that too. So let me see if I can find. That's just that's just my thing. Is it's I think. Yeah, and I just I just don't see. On uh, you know like you know like Solo he says you know what after the election everything will be better again I just don't see that I'm not imagining it either here I'm gonna share I just I just don't yeah, see it, 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 it really depends a lot on possible vaccines and stuff like that too if there if there's something that is credible that can limit that spread of that or at least uh the the consequences of of getting it or uh, that could be a major factor in deciding between now and next summer if these larger events are able to go on if there is some sort of vaccine so this is how they're planning on doing it they're going to open up more space but they're reducing the number of attendees allowed from forty two thousand to thirteen thousand five hundred wow and they're gonna so each little red person equals 500 people so they're thanks, Matt. We didn't. You're welcome. That. You're welcome, buddy. So they're. I we mean, don't know how to read a legend. Thank they're you. reducing the amount of ten <laughs> attendees. Wait, wait, what? The red people means what? Five hundred people. Holy shit! I'm, I'm narrating it for the people at home who can't see the screen. That is true. That is true. The podcast yeah. playback, folks. We see ya. I wish I would have learned how to read a legend in school. This is a legend for fall, right? This is for, yeah, this is for 2020. This is for no- November. I mean, if this Comic-Con goes through, I guess they'll be legendary. There's already yeah. other cons that have gone through, oh, though, okay. the last couple of weeks. They had one in, in Jacksonville last weekend. So, I don't know. I think it could happen. Just saying. But that's a third. Yeah. I think... It, if there's not something, if there's not some sort of treatment or vaccine by 2021, by this time next year, there's a problem. If there, if this isn't somehow under control by then, it's a bigger problem. Like, I don't and know. I, I, I don't know. And I think by November, I think it's cold and flu season and everybody's going to get all weirded out again and... 
Yeah, and if things stay like this for like another year, the expendable income of people is going to be gonna very be low. And so people aren't going to be able to go to an event like San Diego Comic-Con or at least, you know, spend that kind of money. I mean, people will have been penning pinching for uh, a, almost a year and a half at that point. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I even if yeah. I kept my tickets, I don't see myself doing something like that in the foreseeable future just because, you know, my wife works in the restaurant industry. So she's gone from making, you know, decent money to it's not anywhere remotely close to what it is. Now we have to now we're you know, we have to watch what we're doing, how we spend and what we do now. Yeah, we're all out there milking toads for some extra cash. Right? Stroking them toads. Out there playing I just think the way California is just st talking about closing it back up. I just don't see them doing a convention. We'll see. That, I mean, that's but that's their plan as of right now. Moving forward, they're going to make man masks mandatory for every con goer, whether you're in cosplay or not. And like, uh, I mean, how many people can conjugate in a place now in California? I have no idea. Because there, there's like, like I was saying, there's nowhere here that you can do thirteen thousand people. I, no, I honestly don't even. Up. You guys messed up. Now you're on punishment. Now you're on watch, Arizona. Pretty much. I mean, I don't know what the numbers yeah. are because I've been on vacation, so I haven't been paying attention. So I don't know what the num the numbers are. I'm not watching the news oh, like it was. This for oh man. Hey, I have to use my PTO sometimes, so I would have taken yeah. all this time off for San Diego. So I might as well use it. You still are. Yeah. Way right. Still, right. Yeah. still kind of going forward with it, but. But yeah, I kind of had the same feeling Kyle did with Comic Con from home. Is that this stuff? If you were there in the the excitement and around all the other people and the buzz, it would have been phenomenal. Like I think Donny Cates' stuff would have been like, yeah, hell yeah, you know. And you you miss the no Marvel no Marvel cinematic stuff other than New Mutants. But that's because that movie's been in works for what, like three years now. Yeah. You know, no, no DC stuff. It's been pretty minimal. Like even even when you go to a panel, so like the Walking Dead panel today, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna show you the final episode of season ten that comes out October fourth, a, a season that ended months ago." You get the final episode October fourth. Yep. And then they're saying, oh, well, we're not, you're not going to get any walking, new Walking Dead, no season 11 in 2020. You won't get yeah. that till 2021, but we're extending season 10 by six episodes. So they're adding six additional episodes. And then they're, they're bringing in the, the Walking Dead World Beyond, which is, was supposed to start in April. Right, Kyle? April. It was supposed to start mm -hmm. after the Walking Dead ended. And then, they're bringing Fear the Walking Dead, which is the the secondary show, is taking the Walking Dead spot in October. That starts the October 11th. So even then, like all the news you're getting is like, oh well, this is what we want to do, but it isn't coming anytime soon. Yeah, you know? that's really well, all. Their, their loss is our gain. Once once this media runs out, guys, people are gonna have to turn to podcasts and uh, YouTube for their weekly uh, entertainment. That's what I was talking to someone today is. With everything in a, 
all out of whack with everything. You got to think your local podcast that you listen to, your weekly podcast, it's one of the few rocks right now. It's one of the few constants that everybody's getting. They're still getting their weekly podcast because it's something that everybody's used to doing from home. Yeah, right. So we just, we're just chugging along and we're still doing it. Do it and doing it and doing it around. Yeah, we're out there on the front. We're out. I think we might be the heroes. We're out there on the front lines. I'm stepping in what you're dropping. I like the cut of your jib. (laughs) I don't know. It just it's it's weird. It doesn't feel like Comic Con. That's all. Like, and I think it's because we had tickets. We were supposed to go, and I didn't get to. And I think I'm kind of soured as well. A little bit. And I think that's play. I think that's playing a little bit into it. Like, I should have fucking been there. The chances of me being in the, you know, the image Donny Cates panel are probably slim to none. But the fact, Not I should have been there. Well, I think you. I think you would have because it wasn't a hall. It wasn't a hall H panel. It was just going to be a regular offshoot panel. So, you guys can see my dog jerking my, <laughs> my arm. That's not what he's jerking, but whatever. <laughs> okay, but the oh new, but again, I like that the new mutants panel made fun of itself for all of its yeah. shifting release dates, and I like the I like the fact that that movie looks boss now. Like I was skeptical, and then they get you got the first five minutes and the the rest of the scenes, and it was it was absolutely crazy. So I'm super excited for it now. But I again, they're sticking with their August eighth release date. That's a couple weeks away. It, they're, it, they're saying it's going to be in theaters. So but the I, theaters aren't open. I, I know some theaters are. Some theaters are not in Arizona, but there are some theaters open. But I think it's good. I think we're gonna we'll get a VOD release real quick announcement, just like they did with Bill and Ted Face the Music, which I'm excited for. That it's going to get a limited theatrical release and then VOD release. So I'm excited for that. Too. Everything should be VOD release. They should just be pumping shit out. If they were pumping shit out, it would, uh, I bet you they'd still be figuring out a way to film movies. Yeah. They'd be doing, I mean, there would be smaller crews. They'd be doing stuff, but they'd still be able to pump movies out and people would still be paying for them. But nope, don't listen to fucking Kyle. He doesn't know shit. Who the fuck am I? Just I mean, ask people on YouTube every Friday night. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's not true, but that's what they. Yeah, I no, can see why. I can see why they think that, but that's that's. Yeah, I, Corbin, I'm with you. I can see why they think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm the Travis bounce against the jokes. <laughs> I need that validation. Yeah, I'm always validation, Corbin. But I, I think they'll implement a version of this going forward for people who can't go to the convention where you'll be yeah. able to to get some of these panels live streamed or, you know, record it and put it out later or whatever. But I think, I, that's like a good that. mo- I think that's a good model, but it doesn't take away from being there and the experience of being nuts to butts with people and – I mean, just think that next year they have to be San Diego and it has to be at a third. Forget yeah. about it. All they're going to have is That's still a lot, though. For San Diego, that's that's a lot. It'll yeah. be all media, though. Like, how much you want to bet yeah. it's going to be like, like 
1,400 different media sites. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not even going to get to the regular, you know, after Comic Book Nation and IGN and DC Comics. But, but that's the one thing that this that. did good for, for people, small people like us, is this year, if you had press to cover the convention, you were on the same level as those guys because there was no advantage. There was no guaranteed spot in that panel they're live streaming so they're doing the same thing you're doing so it's a matter of how entertaining you are what kind of audience you can draw it and things like that so it's level playing ground to so to where you're kind of getting in there and rubbing elbows with them a little bit it's it's, and that's cool yeah absolutely so who knows that is cool that is cool but yeah that's cool let me see what's going on with our our guests for tonight Where's our guest? Did you guys watch the Bill and Ted trailer yet? Did not. No. That was I like that one. Kyle, did you watch the new mutants trailer? No. No? Oh man, put that mutant trailer on. I just haven't really just had a second to sit down and do anything yet. I guess you got you got yeah. Have you seen the new mutants trailer, Travis? The most recent one? Yeah. Nope. Oh man, shame on me. I know. So tell us about it. Oh, I'll show you. Paint a picture. Paint a picture. Not only is he one upping it, but he's one upping it the one up. I'm not gonna tell you about it. I'm gonna fucking show you. So we'll do the um. Yeah, there we go. The new mutants opening scene and trailer. That's what I'm looking for. And right I there. recycle best of my own parts. Oh, Got my own number until the conversation starts. If you <laughs> what? <laughs> I like to pretend I'm speed reading. Always <laughs> having to do that. <laughs> Never lose sight of the girl peeing. Is that it? No, it's a yeah. oh. sneezing. Oh, <laughs> I never Jeez, lose sight. That scene gave me chills. Yeah, I got a little goosebumps. We we are walking on the moon. (laughs) There's an old Native American proverb that says, Inside every person, there are two bears forever locked in combat for your soul. One bear is all things good. Compassion, love, trust. The other is all things evil, fear, shame, and self-destruction. You're kind of like a bear, Kyle. What's happening? We have to run! Find the gun! Wait! I have to go help them. 
No, no, Dad, please. Daddy. Please don't leave me alone. Danny, I have to go back. Stay here. <laughs> I have to go back. Stay here. <laughs> all right so i'm gonna pause it right here um we'll come we'll come back to it <laughs> sorry whoa we'll, we'll come back to it um i want to bring in our guest at this time uh scott schwartz you may know him as an actor from the christmas story who played flick the little boy who stuck his tongue to the pole Welcome to the podcast, Scott Schwartz. How are you doing, Scott? Hey guys. Hey. Oh, I'm, hey good. I'm having one of those. I'm having one of those hair days. I have, I know the feel. It looks nice. It's it's got that. It, just, it just wants to make me look like a crazy guy over here. It's got okay. good volume to it. Away from me. I'm just playing. Yeah. You got Everybody's a nice backdrop here. there, Scott. No, oh, it's all nice beautiful. and pretty. Yeah. You know, it's actually why I bought this house, really, was that the <laughs> walls kind of reminded me of Wrigley Field. Yeah. The green, the green, the, 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 yeah, just the, the green shrubbery, you know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Really nice. Still so how is everybody doing tonight? Oh, not bad. And you? I'm hanging in there, man. It's another week of, uh, you know, quiet and silence and... Insanity and stupidity, but besides that, it's great. Sounds like yes, sounds sir. Like most of the year. Have you been using all of this kind of uh, internal time to to work on projects, or are you like me, where you just like the idea, you're just putting them aside and being like, "Well, I'll get to that. This could go on for a little bit longer." No, actually, I I uh, I had a producer contact me from back east. And they were a fan, and we started chit-chatting, and she's like, well, if there's something you know you want to work on, let me know. And, and I had had something that I was kind of working on with a, another former child actor that mm. we've been just talking about whatever. And finally it was like, all right, well, let's share it with somebody, and let's get their feelings on it. And it's myself and Todd Bridges from Different Strokes. Nice. Oh, nice. And uh, – Did he kill someone? The, the, no. Oh. Yeah. Um. But uh, they love the concept. They love the idea. So, you know, we've got a writer and producer and director. And we're, we're, we're kind of preemptively working on this thing. And uh, they're in Pennsylvania where this, this COVID is not so bad. So they don't have, you know, mask recommendations. And you can go out and you can shoot and you can do things. And safe. You know. Oh, we don't, when you, when you talk about... 
Yeah. When you talk about projects like that, you're talking about working with a producer. Uh, when you think, when you look at the landscape of media now and how we have all these YouTube platforms and where, and where play, people can, you know, create their own projects and put them up. How do you, you know, growing up in in the business and and at times when when maybe parts and offers got lean, how do you think you would have dealt with this? Do you think you would have jumped and, and started doing your own projects on these type of platforms if they were available then? What do you think about this kind of new landscape in there? <coughs> it's a good question, and I don't really know. Yeah. I've, you know, uh, I've always been creative in coming up with ideas and concepts. I'm not really a script writer, mm -hmm. you know? So I, while I came up with the concept for the show and ideas for different episodes and all that, I don't really write the guts of it. So for me to say, well, yeah, I would have jumped on YouTube and just all done all these things. I don't know that I would have, because that's not really what I do. You know, I don't, I don't do it from A to Z. I'm more of like the A through like E, F, or G, and then I let somebody else take it the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, the idea, man. I'm a good idea person. Yeah. I can shoot all these ideas, but I just can't – I can't – make it into something like you know like when we plan stuff here i'll shoot all these ideas at matt and matt has to like take these oddball crazy ideas that i have and help like mash them together to turn them into something i think this and i do you know i'm just you know i might as well be sending him like cocktail napkins of shit that i've written while i was in the bar you know like i think this well yeah no it's it's you know writing different uh, like in my case, I'm saying, you know, concepts are good. Uh, uh, stories for episodes are good, but it's the actual dialogue. You know, mm -hmm. I can come up with scenes and concepts kind of like what Larry David does, you know, with Curb mm -hmm. Enthusiasm. He comes up with an approximate scene. He kind of comes up with the, the plot of it and then lets everybody else just kind of run with it. And he runs with them. Do you think it's hard to break into the industry if you're if you don't have some sort of craftsman uh like now you've you've been in it long enough and you have a reputation you can be the idea person but do you think someone who's trying to break into industry do you think they have to have some sort of craftsman like editing or acting or some sort of uh the ability to produce something before you can be the idea guy in my case yes i guess you know mm -hmm. kind of answer your question Mm. Not everybody has experience or decades behind them. You know, if you're new, you end up, if you want to do stuff right away and not become a waiter, a waitress, a bartender, whatever, um, you end up starving, you know, mm. because it's like, you know, you're either a YouTube person, personality, so to speak, or a social media personality, or you're actually, you know, in real show business. And I even use that terminology loosely now with reality you know with reality television because you know somebody actually said to me you know well you know you're just you're almost as famous as Snooki ouch and I'm like oh. I'm like are you kidding you know and it's no dig on Snooki not that I was a Jersey Shore fan I don't never watched one episode yeah. but it's like if you walk into an audition and you book the audition because you are the biggest moron in the room, this is not exactly something to hang your hat on mm -hmm. other than mm -hmm. you're the biggest idiot in the room. 
you know, and when you do stuff that has no retaining value at all, I mean, zero, you know, you don't know if you're watching episode six or episode 27 from the third season, it wouldn't make any difference. It's just people being idiots. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, there's I'm, no, I'm, there's no, there's no execution there. Nothing's being executed. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's selling yeah. garbage. It's yeah. selling garbage. And the fact that this is where we are, it's because there's 800 stations and they've got to shoot cheaper material for, uh, you know, for non-networks, you know. So this is what they, they decided to put on television, cheap reality crap. I think Natural Born Killer said it best. It's just junk food for the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the, the fact that people look up to these people is beyond me. I, 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 I don't get it. Yeah, I I, I teach um, high school and um, and teach sixth graders, and they don't watch uh, network TV. They don't really watch films. They watch YouTube. Like, they they follow YouTube. That's it. it. If you mention, like, even a current show that's in their age group, that they're the demographic for, if it's on television, there's a good chance they don't know. If it's on the movies, unless it's a big Marvel movie, they haven't seen it. But their, their feed is just, they're just constantly watching YouTube. Wow. Uh, that's partially their age group, partially. Mm-hmm. Then there's the disconnect of their parents who should mm-hmm. know better and who should have uh, subjected them to watching some good television, some good films from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever it is, to give them kind of an overall better, you know, rounding off of their education entertainment wise. Mm-hmm. But if all they're watching is YouTube and 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 Hulu and you know they're not watching scripted shows or whatever that those you know people make, it's just garbage. You know, mm-hmm. watching a kid re- review, uh, you know, a camera or a toy or something. That's what that's what some of these people watch. Not yeah. some watch it because they have kids and they want to see if the toy is fun. But other people they just watch it because whatever the TikTok people and all that. They're not celebrities. They're not. You know, in the word, they're just media whores. Basically, is really what they are. Mm. You know, it's the culture now. I guess is the way that things have kind of transitioned. Because yeah, even then, you're right. The popularity, the livelihood of being characters or caricatures is there, and yet people who will tune into that and follow blind, no matter what they do. I mean. I fall into the trap of watching people I am willingly going to put a thumbs down to just because. And it's like, wow, feed right through this like culture but it's, of that. But it's a mindset. And really, if you have a eight to twelve year old kid or six to fifteen year old kid, you're supposed to show them what to watch, tell them what to watch, because you want them to have something in their brain, not emptiness from survivor. Or Big Brother, or whatever other reality crap thing, or YouTube, or whatever. That's that's that fills the mind with garbage. You know, I mean, I've been asked to do you know several different reality things. You know, I think I've done one. I know I've done one. I'm trying to think. I did a second one or not. I know I did one. I did Beverly Hills Pawn. Okay. Because at the time I was working with my dad in the store and he had a John Wayne piece and they heard about it and they wanted me to come on the show. Cool. So I did it basically as publicity for the shop, not mm-hmm. for, for me at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
if they said, you know, oh, we're going to do a celebrity, whatever, my first question would be, who else is going to be in it? And my second question is, is am I going to be able to pay my mortgage and rent, or are they going to offer me $1,200 a week? And I would tell them, go scratch. <laughs> you know, so I might do it, I might not do it, you know, but I know what yeah. I'm getting myself into, and I, and I understand it well enough to know that, I mean, I've put down 43 years of work on film and on television already. You know, so I'm not selling out to become reality boy. I'm looking at it from I'm putting food on my table, a roof over my head. You know, you know it needs to be done regardless if, if if that's what you decide to go the route. Yeah, you know, okay. but, but but like ninety eight percent chance I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it would have to be really something with people that I know, that I love, that I care about. So I would be doing something with a group of friends. We did a, a thing called um, the Quarantine Bunch. That was that was online. And uh, there was nine of us. Seven of the people I knew I was friends with. But it was all about the quarantine thing with, with COVID, and we're all stuck at home, and we're all talking about doing something. So it was just an evening worth of sitting at home on my Zoom meeting and talking to my friends. I can deal with that. <laughs> you said 43 years how have you how what was it like when you first started and how has that landscape changed for you as in the whole industry i started in 77 i started in march of 77 so oh. really i mean we had child stars but i mean i started in commercials for a couple of years and then i did off broadway and then broadway and then in 82 i started doing films um I mean, the, the money amount has certainly gone up, you know, for shows and for, for films if you're one of the main cast members, uh, which means res residuals have gone up and all that. But it's also the amount of people that want to do it. You know, I've been asked many times, you know, what would you say to somebody starting out? I'd say, get an education and understand you're going to have to have a job beside just being an actor. Because as an actor, 99.9875 of the people are out of work. Yep. Yeah. So you better learn how to be able to wait tables or bartend or something else that you can do at night because you can't work during the day. You know, uh, if, if you get yourself a good education and you're doing it, you know, you're going to be a legal secretary. What are you going to tell your boss at 1.30? Excuse me, I need to go on this audition for a commercial. You're done. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they're they not going to go for that. Well, I think like uh, Zach Braff from Scrubs was telling the story when he actually got the when he actually got the final audition and they said, okay, and he got that call and said, okay, you're going to be in scrubs. He, he called up and he was like, Hey, cause he was waiting tables. Like, and he called up and said, Hey, I quit. And they're like, no, you're scheduled tonight. You so you know, he had just gotten into, you know, this big show that was going to start and he still had to go. He still had to drive in and go to work, you know, waiting tables. Good for him. <laughs> See, but, well, of course he quit. But here's the thing. When you get that show or you get that film, you're only guaranteed a certain amount of work. Oh. You know, if Scrubs didn't work and it goes one season and you're done, yeah. then you go back to the job you had before. You know, you do a film, you work three, four months if you're a main character. Okay, fine. And that's it. And you go back to whatever you were doing until the next phone call comes. You know, if you get lucky and you hit it and you hit the right show and you go on for five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve years – then you're all done. Realistically, if you're on a series for 12 years as a main character of any kind, you should not have to work the rest of your life. If you piss it away, that's your fault. You're just a stupid fool. 
you know. Well, you you had a, an interesting training there because you were doing both theater and commercials. So you get that that intense acting experience with theater, and then you learn how to work in front of a camera with commercials. Did, was one of those? Did you find that one of those was more helpful in moving into your movie career uh, than the other, or did you think the amalgamation of both of them was just like the a great cocktail? Um. I wouldn't say like the theater part of it, doing off-Broadway and Broadway really helped to do films, mm -hmm. doing commercials. You know, I don't think there was really a time when I was not not comfortable in front of a camera. It was mm -hmm. never a big deal to me. You know, it was just kind of the, the beginnings of just learning, you know, what a mark was, what action means, knowing your dialogue and doing those kinds of things. And that's commercial-wise, it's great because – you say something for three seconds and somebody else says something for three seconds and somebody else. And then you chirp in, ha, ha, ha. And that's the whole yeah. commercial. Yeah. Um, film film is a much, much different duck altogether, you know, because the crews are so much bigger and the importance of what's going on is so much bigger. And, you know, you know you're not playing in the minor leagues anymore. Was there something in particular that you remember back and – uh, I got all this stuff down really quick, but this thing took me a while to get used to as far as being on a set or uh, delivering lines or being in front of the camera. Did you did you struggle with anything in particular, like hitting a mark or? No, no, but the first day on the toy, it's for my first film, hmm. and I'm working, the, my first day was the scene in the toy with Jackie Gleason where we're in the Rolls Royce and he's taking me back to the military school. So it's almost toward the end of the film. And nobody could figure out to tell me in advance what ad-libbing was. I'm used to Broadway, off-Broadway commercials. The dialogue is the dialogue. You say what's there and you go to the next and you say what's there. And he didn't do that. So he threw me off. So basically the first day I worked for Columbia Pictures, they threw it in the toilet. It was a, it was a total waste. Uh, the, one of the two producers brought me back to the hotel and we're sitting in this mock office and he calls my father and he's like, listen, your kid, first day, he bombed, didn't know one of his lines and we're going to give him one more day. And if he does, if he does it again, he's going home. And so I talked to my father and he kind of gave me a little bit of advice, you know, a little something, something. And somebody told Richard Pryor. And so that night I'm sitting in the room after dinner and I was crying and upset and I had a day off. I had a, I had a day in the middle and then I was going to be shooting again the day after. And Richard called me up. And he said, Scotty, come to my room. I want to talk to you for a little bit. So I went to his room and we sat and we talked for a while. He goes, okay, stop. What did we just do? I said, we had a conversation. He says, no, we ad-libbed. You said something. I said something. You said something. He said, that's exactly what happened today. He said, Jackie Gleason doesn't read from the script. I don't read fully from the script. Whatever we say, just roll with it. And my father kind of right. gave me the same kind of advice. And I was like, okay. And the third day I was working with Richard. So it made it very easy. And it was, you know, I got, I got done with that day. And the, the producer and the director, Rick, uh, Dick Donner and Phil Feldman, one of the two producers, pulled me aside. And they said, you're going to be just fine. You're not going anywhere. So relax. We're not firing you. You're not going home. Just keep doing what you did today. Okay. And, you know, by a week in, maybe, maybe say 10 days in of shooting, I was ad-libbing right along with them. So, yeah. you know, but Richard Pryor was the one who really gave me the total heads up on everything. Wow, how many people could say that? 
He was my, listen, from the day I met him till the day he was gone, he was my muse, my mentor, my best friend, one of my best friends. He was my teacher. He was my go-to for everything guy. He told wow. me, you know, when, when we were getting ready to leave the set, go home, he's like, you have my phone number in Maui, you have my phone number in LA, you have the production phone number. You're going to have questions about life. Call me up. I'll give you, I'll give you any advice you want. I can only imagine how amazing life advice from Richard Pryor would be. Right? <laughs> yeah. I've heard you talk about, you know, your experiences uh, as a child on set and some of these adult mentors that you, you've had. Do you think that there's something innate in your personality that allows adults? Because it seems like all of them treat you like an adult. And I don't think all adults do that with all kids. Do you think it's something innate with your pers personality that allows you to just kind of befriend these adults on their level, even at an early age? It, yes, but it started before all of this. Uh, I'm sure all of you, you know, had dads or moms or whatever. And you did stuff on the weekends, on a Saturday or Sunday. You went hunting, fishing, whatever it was, bike riding, whatever. My father was a movie guy. So he took me to a movie club in New York but and, and other films all days on Saturdays. But the movie club, it was all adults. I was the only kid there. The, the, the lowest age guy that was there was probably 25 or 26. And I started going when I was five and a half years old. So I was used to being around adults. You know, then I, I even at a young age, when I started doing commercials, I'm around adults. Uh, I, every holiday from probably when I was eight, nine years old, any holiday or time I was off school, I was with my dad. He was a window cleaner and we would wash windows and I'm around adults. Oh. Beside being around adults, I had this vast knowledge of Hollywood movies, television. It was a passion. So when I got on the set with Pryor and Gleason, I didn't ask stupid questions. I wasn't a stupid kid. I knew who they were. I appreciated their work. I did impressions of them, whatever. They yeah. saw this. So, you know, I wanted to learn. So I asked questions. You know, Jackie Gleason, you know, people ask him this question. Now, I was more into, did you ever meet George M. Cohan? You know, who James Cagney is in Yankee Doodle Dandy. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, back in Brooklyn, and I'm, I'm hearing stories about George M. Cohan. I mean, you know, this is an icon of Broadway, you know, uh, talking to Richard Pryor about the stuff that he did, you know, Silver Streak and um, um, uh, Bingo Long, you know, different projects that he had done. So that kind of started it. You know, I was always very inquisitive and I asked intelligent questions. So people gave me intelligent answers. I was never, oh, that's the kid. Oh. You know, I never, I never treated them that way uh, in being a stupid kid. And they didn't treat me like a stupid kid because that wasn't my personality. You know, I was definitely mature for my age. There's no question. Did uh, Richard Pryor give you awesome pickup lines? <laughs> Listen, guaranteed. He was, he, I don't know about pickup lines, but this was the best wingman anybody could ever have. Okay. So we're on this, we're on the set day after day and he's sitting next to me in his chair and I'm sitting and we talk and he'd point out this woman and he would tell me things that you can't tell a 13 and 14 year old, you know, she did this to me and this and that I'm going, okay, that sounds good. I didn't even know what he said half the time. I didn't even know what it was, but I'm like, it sounds good. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Okay. You know, whatever. And 
right after my 14th birthday, he started sending girls to my trailer. He would go talk to the extras and say, hey, you want to go talk to Scotty? He's in that trailer right over there. Just go knock on his door. Go ahead. You know. So this led to, you know, make out sessions and all the stuff. And I'd be telling Richard, he'd be going, oh, that's good, man. That's good. (laughs) But he never never told me he did it. It wasn't until years later. We, I had, I had gone over his house and he's flipping the stations and the movie, the last American Virgin came on for, and literally he's flipping the stations, but it came on. I said, Oh, that's funny. I remember those days, you know, back when, you know, pre puberty and all that. And, and all those girls come into my thing and he goes, what did you think? You were like this stud muffin? <laughs> no, dude. I was sending them to your trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Best wingman you could ever have in the world. Heck yeah. <laughs> wingman and he wasn't even – you didn't even know he was wingman in it. It didn't have a clue until much, much later. That's awesome. That was great. I love that. You know. Oh, he, he was just a piece of work. I mean – I just watched that show on HBO, the Hollywood Kids thing. And, the, you know, the stories, you know, they're all kind of different, you know. But the, the one thing that, that was missing, you know, from some, from me, because I was, I was in the industry, part of the industry as a child actor, not one of them said that anybody took them under their wing. They didn't have that mentor guy, you know. I had Richard. You know, and when I was doing, you know, a Christmas story, I really I didn't have any mentors because I was there all six weeks and I worked one day a week. Um, but like Kidco, Charlie Hallahan, who was the father, not a household name by any means, but for science fiction fans, the movie The Thing with Kurt Russell. He's the guy on the table whose chest blows up and his head comes off and grows the legs and runs away. He's my dad in Kidco. And he was a good actor. And I went to him and I said, listen, I'm getting stuck on this scene. Can you help me? I said, absolutely. Let's go. You know, it, it wasn't, oh, kid, you got a problem. That's it. No, no. Let's do it. Let's go. So I, I was fortunate enough that I had mentors along the way, you know, but Richard by far was my biggest mentor because he was he was my go to guy. You got crazy questions and crazy situations. Call Richard. Been there, done that seven times. huh? <laughs> You know, I mean, there's one incident that happened. It happened one time in my life, and I was really upset about it. It was nobody took advantage of me, nothing like that. It was just something that I did, and I was really upset about it. And I called Richard, and I explained the situation. And and he says, "You got to come over to my house. Come on over. I want to I want to talk to you about this." I said, "Okay." And I went over his house. I go and we sat down in the living room. He says to me, now explain what happened again. I said, Richard, and I was only 19 at the time. I said, Richard, everybody was like over drinking. And these five girls were getting in the bed naked and they wanted me to drink with them, but I don't really drink. So I took a, I, I, I had, you know, I did what they did, whatever. And then I had fun. And he goes, so you had fun with five women? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what the hell are you telling me this for? I'm giving you a rant. He goes, he goes, all right. <laughs> right? <laughs> what, are saying, goes, what are you upset about? Yeah. I said, well, yeah. it's, just, it's just me. He's like, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he was a really good kind of, as far as like, what is 
uh, masculinity and, and how to approach these situations. And, and that sounds like that was a, there was a kind of that career advice and, and but it's also just kind of like how to be a guy, you know, just like by not telling you, but just by observing him. Yeah, no, I mean, he, I would I mean, I'm the beneficiary really of him burning himself up because he was not a good guy back then, you know, the drug addict and the craziness and all this stuff. And he buried that guy. He, he killed that guy. And now he wanted to be more thoughtful, more kind, you know, more, more, I don't want to say human, but just more yeah. of a, a caring person. And my personality stepped up to the plate and mm. we hit it off. And, you know, he told me I was the white son he never had. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a question for you to switch gears here a little bit. I know you worked with back then it was the WWF uh, uh, corporation, mm. correct? Uh, and 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 you worked there, I believe, in like the the kind of la- latter part of the eighties, mid mid to late eighties. I was there was that- September September of eighty five through January of eighty seven. I did fifteen months. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I was I never were- I was never an official employee. Mm-hmm. I never got a paycheck. It all happened by accident. And then I just, I was going all over the place several times every week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was such a big bonding between me and my dad at those 80 stars in that time. Um, you know, being around all those people, when you think about their lives, I always thought like, which, uh, do you have a particular wrestler in that era that you think life would make an awesome biopic as far as, the, the drama, the conflict involved in it, because you were around so many of these guys and gals in, in there. It, I mean, Piper was great, but I don't know if he had drama and conflict. It would probably have to be Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, mm-hmm. you know, because, I mean, I was, I was very good friends with them, okay? And again, it's my personality, and they were fans. That, that always helped, and that's just kind of mm-hmm. the way of life. That's just what it is. Um, so, I mean, you know, Randy would call me up at home the day before he was flying wherever he'd be like, Scotty, what's going on? It's Randy. What's going on, Randy? Uh, you coming to Mar Richmond? Yeah. I picked me up three o'clock United. And that's what I would do, you know? So I would talk to him. I would talk to Liz. I would say hello and get a hug and a kiss on a cheek and whatever. And the other guys would tell me, dude, you can't talk to Liz. If you talk to Liz, Randy's going to get pissed. He's going to put your head through a wall. I, I'm like, listen, we don't have that relationship. They're like, okay, take your chances, man. You know, but, and, and he was very overly protective of her, you know, with, with pretty much everybody. And, um, you know, I mean, unfortunately they're both, you know, gone at this point, Rand, you know, Liz is long gone and yeah. Randy's gone six, seven years now. But, uh, I had a, a, one of those conversations you don't ever think is coming, you know, Randy was put into the WWE Hall of Fame. I was there. I helped Lanny Poffo with some of his speech, you know, Randy's brother. And afterwards, we we went to dinner and he said to me, he goes, I guess I should have told you this a long time ago, but you have no idea how much my brother really loved you and really cared about you. I, I said, we were friends. He goes, it's not about being friends. He goes, pretty much there were three people in the entire company he trusted. Vince McMahon me and you and i and i started thinking about what he was saying he's like did randy ever leave liz alone with you and i said well sure several times he goes 
wouldn't happen with anybody else. Not a chance. You know, so he's telling me exactly what Randy was like, you know, and all of that. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to get over the the KFAB thing before they 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 took down their guard with you? Since you weren't an official employee, did it take them a while to warm up? No, it was how I got in that really blew that whole thing for me entirety. I went in for an audition on a movie called The Money Pit. Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. Yeah, yeah, love that. As one of the as going to be one of their kids. I walked into the the waiting room and Big John Stud was sitting across. He was auditioning for one of the movers. And I it scared the shit out of me, excuse my French, but it did because it was Big John Stud and I I I, I went in and started to back up and my father standing behind me he goes, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Dad, that's Big John Stud. He fights Andre the Giant. He's a bad guy. He hurts people." My father's like, "Would you shut up?" <laughs> So he sat me down. I ended up, my time was right before John. So I went in first. When I went in, my father went and talked to John. I come out of the room. My father's sitting next to John. He goes, Scotty, come here. John, this is Scotty. Scotty, this is John. And John Stud looks at me. This big smile comes over his face. He goes, man, I saw the toy. You were great, man. I'm a big (laughs) fan. So that bad guy heel thing went out the window. You know? And then I went to my, my first going out was Saturday night main event when Uncle Elmer got married. It was at the Meadowlands and they brought me in the back and there's everybody. And you're meeting this one. You're meeting this one. You mean, and I mean, by then it's like, you know, you kind of realize, you know, it's, it's, it's TV. It's entertainment. It's not real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm talking to uh, Tony Atlas, uh, Greg Valentine, Bruce, Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Randy Savage. And then Hulk Hogan comes over and then, you know, Piper comes over and then, you know, you go, okay, fine. And you go to the next event and then it's three other guys. Terry Funk is here and and they're all in the same room. And I'm going, you know, they're about to go at it for like 25 minutes, you know, but it is what it is. You know, I had a blast with those guys. I mean, they were, they were a great bunch of fun, cool guys, you know, and, and many of them are gone now and it, you know, Roddy Piper was again like almost like a second dad. We talked every month, six weeks at the most. If he was coming to LA, he'd call me. You know, it was just my mom's birthday 10 days ago, and somebody asked me about Piper and whatever. And it was like my mom's 70th birthday. They were having a thing out here in LA called the Hollywood Show. And there's a lot of celebrities there and people like that. And Piper was there. And I and we were talking, and I said, I gotta go out, I gotta go grab my mom's cake. It's her birthday. And he goes, well, bring it over here. Well, I'll sing happy birthday to your mom. And my mom was a wrestling junkie and loved Piper anyway. So I got brought the cake over, whatever. And I grabbed my mom. I bring her over. She's like, what's going on? And Roddy comes out from behind the table and he gives her a hug and a kiss on the cheek. He says, mom, it's that time. And he started singing happy birthday to my mom. Wow. Yeah. And Roddy's gone. And I missed him. To have your, to have a birthday serenade from Roddy, Roddy Piper. That's that's crazy. Yeah, my mom loved it, you know, and she got to meet J- Jimmy Snuka and, and Morocco and Albano. And my mom was a wrestling fanatic since she was eight years old because my grandfather watched it. So my mom watched it, you know, she's met Hulk Hogan and just it, it's great to be able to do that for mom, you know. Right. Have you had any it's opportunities be- since then to do anything with the WWE? No, no. You know, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's like, 
it's one of those things where when people see you quite a bit, you become ordinary. Even though this other Scotty or Scott is the actor and famous and all that kind of stuff, it, it took that part of me out. So they only think of me one way, you know, as their friend, you know, oh, we know Scotty. Okay. But I'm like, hey, I want to do stuff, you know. <laughs> and I mean, I told a couple of the creative guys that, that I had met there, you know, throw me in something for God's sakes. I could do a manager bit. Let me get thrown in the ring. Let me get thrown out of the ring. I don't care. Just something funny. You put me on a Christmas show because that'd be great, you know. And they said, "Oh, you're funny." Yeah, I mean, they let Pete Rose come out. Why not? Why not Scotty Schwartz, right? Pete Rose, of course. <laughs> you know, I, I would have done a Christmas thing with them. It would have been fun, you know. I mean, I, I, Vince was always really kind and great to me, and Stephanie was always kind, and Hunter's been great. You know, a lot of the guys that are behind the scenes, I know, and you know, I've I've always gotten Pat Patterson. Uh, oh God, Tony Garia. Uh, 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 Tony Chimmel, who was a ring announcer, and and now he works in the back for them. These are the guys I know for three decades, but I'm their friend. So you know the guys, especially in creative and other ones. I'm just whoever. Yeah, we know him. Okay. You were in such good graces. There's nobody in the back dying to give you a finisher move in the middle of the ring, huh? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I got in the ring a couple times. You know, with the guys beforehand, we finished doing the ring or whatever. You know, Lanny Poffo would come in and you know. Gave me the super back body drop off the top rope once, you know, which was fun, you know. But, uh, you know, I actually got a chance after all these years, you know, of being a fan and and, and a friend. Uh, I was down in, in Memphis with Jerry Lawler, who's a great friend. Love the man. He says, hey, I'm doing a gig tonight in Mississippi. You got to come with me. So we jumped in the car and we drove down to Mississippi and we're doing this gig. And I meet the promoter. And he goes, oh, my God. Dude, you got to do something. And he put me in a gimmick bit. And so we like mind melded for like a half an hour. And I became um, Andy Kaufman that night. Yeah. yeah. I'm antagonizing yeah, whatever. And uh, this guy, Stan Sierra, who's down there in, in, in that area. He goes, oh, man, I can throw you against the corner and then I'll give you a splash and do this. And I'm like, this is great. I love this, you know. <laughs> So we did the Kaufman bit where they ended up taking me out of the ring on a stretcher and I've got the neck brace and I'm giving the thumbs up and whatever. And then nine months later, I came back and I'm still in the neck brace. So I'm really pushing the Kaufman, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt yeah. and whatever. And uh, everybody ended up getting in the ring. And then uh, the guy Stan who splashed me where he ends up on the ground and I'm standing over him and I'm giving him the, you know, pointing the finger and doing the spiel. And I ripped off my shirt and I had a macho man shirt on. <laughs> and I went up, I went up to the corner and did the flying elbow. Oh, nice. At 50 years old, I did the flying elbow. Oh. And, and it, Jerry thought I was nuts. The promoter's like, dude, you have to sign a waiver. Cause if you get hurt, it's on you. The guy that I landed on, the guy that, you know, Stan, he's like, have you done this before? I said, well, I actually practice a bunch of times, you know, whatever he goes. Sure, go ahead. Okay, fine. Some of the other people were like, eh. well, I did it. Nailed it. No problem. Everybody was happy, and it was great. Please tell me you hit him with an oh, yeah, before you jumped and dropped the elbow. I, I probably <laughs> did. I don't remember. I, I, I just remember that I probably should have lost another 10 pounds before I did it because the left okay. leg did not want to come up to the top corner to the, to the turnbuckle it just didn't want to get there it was probably this much short so when i dropped those 10 pounds it would have been easier but once i got up there 
the arms went up in the air, <laughs> and I flew. That's that's kind of surprising that, especially, I mean, being a huge wrestling fan myself, and the way WWE is that they haven't tried to get you in some kind of gimmick match, like you said, involving Christmas or your, stung be- your tongue being stuck to a ring pole or, or something along those lines, or like a mistletoe on a pole match and you somehow end up with your tongue stuck to it or anything like that. Like, that, that blows no, I mean, my mind. I, that, that seems like right up Vince's alley. Oh, uh, they were, I was going to be in Chicago and they were in Minneapolis for the Ho Ho Hogan Christmas show. This was like 2014, I think. And uh, I talked to Lawler a couple of weeks before. He's like, dude, you're in Chicago. Forget the trip home. Just come to Minneapolis for Monday Night Raw. It's a Christmas show. I said, okay, fine. So I changed my flight. All right. So I showed up. I'm hanging out in the back, whatever. And we're like two thirds of the way through the show. And one of the security guys goes, hey, you got to go up and see Jerry. He wants to see you like right now. You have to go ringside. Okay. So I got up ringside and Jerry hands me my, the shirt, triple dog dare you shirt with the pole and all that. Then he's like, hey, we're going to come out of commercial. We're going to do a promo thing. They're going to come on me and then they're going to be on you. You give the thumbs up. I'm introducing you, blah, blah, blah. So I actually, you know, I ended up at the show and they kind of just as a celebrity being there or whatever, you know, but that was it. And of course, Vince has to okay that. Mm. You know, nothing happens on that show unless Vince says yes. And Jerry, well, he had the, the headset on and Jerry's like, hey, do you know who's here, by the way, Scotty? Then we'll go get him out there. Get him out there. Go ahead. So, you know, it was it was cool. Damn, that's cool. So I got it. We had, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Travis. No, please. Any direction uh, you gonna, want, go. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't talking about, you know, you're in this, you know, of course, the, the Christmas story, which is so beloved. I mean, they run it 24 hours. And so you you deal face-to-face with – every time it airs, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. Royalty. We want to talk, you want to talk numbers. Uh, we, get, we, get, uh, we get paid twice, once per day. It has nothing to do with being a kid, none of that kind of stuff. That was the contract that was signed in like 1980, the cable contract. So when they show it 12 times, I actually make $1.60 for the 24-hour marathon. Oh. And I have no idea where to spend it. I bet wow. not. After about 10 years, you might be able to go get a, something. Pizza? <laughs> large pizza? What? You know? <laughs> I, I'm, I can't go wrong with those. Wait, Filming we, that, we, did you think that that was going to be the iconic movie that it is today? No. No, it's a small movie. You know, there's no big stars. There's no big special effects. It was a labor of love blackmail film. That's really what it was. Nobody wanted to make it. And Mm -hmm. Bob Clark, the director, had done Porky's. And it had made so much money that that they wanted him to do Porky's too. And he goes, absolutely. But I can't shoot Porky's during the the wintertime. It's a spring-summer thing. So I'm going to do Christmas Story right in the middle. They're like, no, 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 no. Prep for Porky's too. And then – no. I'll do Christmas story while I'm shooting it. I'll edit it so that when it's done within two weeks, I'll be done totally. And then I'll go on to do Porky's too. So it wasn't something that anybody thought would be anything more than just a nice little movie that MGM didn't even want to put in the movie theaters. They were just going to shelve it and put it on VHS. And Bob Clark and Darren McGavin started to put together some money to buy the movie so they could release it. Then finally MGM said, okay, we'll put the movie on the theaters. Okay, shut up already. So, you know, and I mean, it, it's out for three or four weeks because the Christmas movies came in and took all the theaters and it sits on video for, you know, the better part of 13 years. It just sits there on video. And then 
fate lent a hand and Ted Turner was buying the MGM film library, buys Christmas story. And from what I understand, his secretary was the one who said, Hey, why don't you do a marathon? And the rest is history. Yeah. My, my question on this was, you know, we do this, these podcasts and videos because we're fans of things. And, you know, a lot of people are fans of the Christmas story because it's something that they grew up along with them, you know, on VHS. Mm-hmm. So when a fans approach you or when you get uh, approached by fans, what do they typically want their experience? Do you, do you have a sense of what they want from their experience with you? Is it they, they want you to tell them a story? Do they just want to shake your hand? Uh, do, like w- when people come up to you, what is it that that you think that interact those? T- how do those t- interactions typically go? A lot of time it's, oh, my God, you know, is your tongue OK? <laughs> Did they really make you stick your tongue mm-hmm. to a pole? You know, um, was it really that cold? Is it fun shooting a movie? You know, it's it's more or less the basic questions, you know. Uh, you know, you get the I triple dog darias and all that kind of stuff from people. You know, and, and I guess there's just two ways of sort of approaching the situation. You know, one could be the, yeah, thanks, and, you know, whatever. And the other one is understanding that something I was a part of. I was, I was a part of an, an ensemble of people that Bob Clark put together and created this masterpiece and that generations after generation after generation is going to love and appreciate. So why not just go with it? Just enjoy the process. Enjoy, you know, what I did and what we did as a group and just be happy and live life. And, you know, yeah. you know, it's, the, lamp. <laughs> uh, the production designer, the guy that actually created, there were two lamps made. One well, one was broke on the set, of course, in the movie, and the second one he took home and he has it. And let's see, Peter has the bunny suit, uh, or Ralphie, so to speak. Ralphie has the bunny suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the snow suits was given to the kid who played Randy, the little brother. The snow suit, you know, I you love got that, Randy. <laughs> you know. But we got nothing. I mean, you know, all the all of our wardrobe was rented. You know, so we gave everything back because it's all rented stuff. You know, none of that was so. There's no. Uh, uh, memory pieces from that. Now the toy was different because I had the military uniform, the motorcycle outfit. Those were made specifically for me. So I have one of the military uniforms and I have one of the motorcycle outfits. You know. Do people mistake you for uh, someone else sometimes? Do you get a typical like, oh, from <laughs> no. I get uh, Donald O'Connor, who is an old movie star. You know, every every once in a blue moon, Mickey Rooney. You know, oh, yeah. every a little bit, but I get more Donald O'Connor because you have you still have that that like boyish face, you know, in there like a Mickey Rooney type of thing. Thank God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. I don't I don't know about any of you guys, okay? But I had this face pre-puberty. Then I hit puberty, and from like fifteen to about nineteen, my face changed. It sort of morphed into something else. It's like my high school picture, my high school graduation picture. I absolutely hate. Because it doesn't look like me. Yeah. And when I hit about 19, my face sort of morphed back into the face I had before. You know? <laughs> yes. And and trust me, being the age that I am, and, you know, I, I, I don't look anywhere near my age, thank God. You know? Which is right. Yeah. You know? That's funny. My girlfriend likes it, so it's all good. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> right. That's, that's the only thing that matters. <laughs> yeah, she's she's she is... A few days younger than me, to say the least. 
but but believe it or not, not not nearly a fan though. You know, her mom and her aunt are more the fans than she was, and then we just kind of struck up a conversation, and it just kind of happened. There you go. You know, it, it, it would be a little bit odd, I think. You know, dating someone or being in a relationship with someone who was a huge fanatic of your work. I mean, that could work out, but I think there would always be a, a sort of Borderline uneven worship, right? worshiping kind of thing in the relationship. Okay, but anybody who's famous, when I say famous, yeah. I don't mean borderline. I mean famous. Mm-hmm. Anybody, you're going to meet and marry a fan. That's mm-hmm. just what that is. Mm-hmm. Because you are who you are. You can't hide who you are. Now, I don't even consider myself on that level. I'm go. I'm below that level. You know, I can go to this, I can go to a mall. I can well, not right now, but go shopping, go to the movies, do whatever the hell I want. And once every week or two, somebody says something. You know, but otherwise, I'm left alone. You know, but if you are Matt Damon or Tom Cruise or whatever, you know, you are who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, people. Right. People's going to be. You know, Nicholas Cage when he married this last one, like she's not a fan, right? Yeah, yeah she, you know, so. you know, he's yeah. not married for twenty five years. He's married for twenty five minutes. It's like, dude, they're all fans. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's just the way that that Christian Slater, Christian Slater was Christian Slater when he met his wife. He was already a star. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what are you going to tell me? She grew up in, uh, you know, in igloos in Alaska or some shit, and you know, doesn't have a television. No, she knows. Of course, you know, but you have to leave that outside the front door. You know, again, this is some of Richard's kind of influence on me. You know, when you're outside, you're outside. You're that person. But when you walk in your home door, you're not that guy. You know, you're not the imaginary guy. You're the one that's in here, mm-hmm. the one that's in your heart and in your head. And, you know, Sometimes you can have situations, you know, you know, people have egos, you know, which Richard told me was a waste of time. So I've never had one. But, you know, when you're getting your ass kissed everywhere you go and then you walk in the door and your wife looks at you and says, oh, honey, you do know you got to do the dishes tonight, right? <laughs> you know, that's your wife now. That's not a production assistant. You know who I am? <laughs> uh, you know, that goes out the window. <laughs> Is that one of the hardest things to deal with in in Hollywood? Is is the ego of people? Is that is that really as poisonous, or is that just, or can that be a benefit sometimes to a, a, a production or a project? There is no benefit of an ego. Yeah, there's none, because everybody's people. We're all humans. We're all people. You know, we have to we have to be in a working environment. You know, and I don't I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the star of the show or if you're the the you know sidekick. Or you're the person who's a, a semi-regular, whatever. You got to treat everybody with dignity and respect. That's just how been, it should be. Over on the, to the top of me, we've been talking to Corbin a lot about that. Uh, we've been talking to him a lot about his ego. Uh, you know, he's always kind of coming in and wait, trying to wait, bully us on. out of conversation. Hold on, I didn't, I didn't even know the man's name because it's not in a little box. So I, don't, I don't know Corbin. I'm a, dude, you're good. You're a good-looking man. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay. That's okay. You can have a little bit of an ego. It's a damn good looking boy. It's okay. Mama did <laughs> See, now you have permission to be a there we go. I have some permission to push it up a little bit. All right. I didn't say a big one. I said he can have a little one. Oh, oh. It's okay. You don't know what you just created now. Yeah. That's a lot. 
we're, we're hoping his face we're, we're hoping like you his face morphs into something different uh <laughs> you know what where, where are you from damon where are you from i mean of course I'm, I'm from new york i'm here in arizona i'm based in arizona but i'm from brooklyn new york okay you know who ryan uh-huh. howard is used to play for the phillies i am familiar with the name yes that's who you look like really oh that's who you, you look what? like i will take it you know that's okay, who you so- look like I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to go in this direction, but since we're here already, dating, you have any tips? Oh, his head's getting oh, here. We go. Screen. someone and kind of going from the "Hey, how you doing?" I have I'm like the king of awkward interactions in general, but especially in the dating. <laughs> dating, dating tips. Don't don't be shy. Okay. You you see someone you have an interest in? Mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Da da da. Damon, nice to meet you. Whatever. Um, I'm from Philly. I live out in California. I live in Arizona. What you know? Where are you from? Women are women. I mean, I understand we're in the Me Too movement, so you know, sticking your hand down your pants now is not exactly the same thing as it was 30 years ago. That's okay. not. That's not where you want to go. Okay. <laughs> but be you. Be polite, kind, nice, whatever, and you just let things roll. And and if, if they if they show some. You know, attention back, then you roll with it. If they go, oh, no, that's okay. No problem. You know, whatever. Okay. Rejection is everywhere. I feel that. Part. You know, you know, I mean, Scott, I'm, have you, are, I'm a five foot two inch Jewish kid. Okay. <laughs> Trust me. I know rejection. <laughs> you know? Thank you. <laughs> Scott, on that, on that note, are you, have you been a person who can go like up in a grocery store and you see someone and then like, Hey, you know, uh, if you're, I'd like your you know, number, would you like to go out sometime? Or, uh, is it, have you normally been introduced to people through friend, friends and things like that? Both ways. Yeah. Both ways. You know, that, that's, that's just been my life. I mean, again, when I was younger, you know, I, I mean, I could say dating was much easier when I was 15 to 25, mm-hmm. you know, because you're a young guy and, you know, the movies are a little more fresh and things happen and they recognize and whatever. And, OK, that's good. When you get a little bit older then it's just kind of a weird thing. You know, you kind of go this person or that person, whatever, you know. And, you know, I was married, you know, I'm divorced 15 years now, whatever. You know, I met my ex-wife. She was with the same agent manager I was with and we kind of met that way and it just kind of happened, you know? Okay. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm more of the online dating, but, but I'm trying to get out of that. You know, I don't, I don't care what they say, the me too thing and all that. That's one thing. Yeah. They still want to have somebody hold their hand and give them a rose and open a door and be respectful. You so know? Yeah. You know, you may or may not get a kiss goodnight the first time. That's just how that goes. But trust me, if they want it, they're going to let you know. Gotcha. See, I'm, I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you for that. I need, I need some, some tips. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I mean, okay, so we're, now we're all four guys. Okay, I don't know who's watching the show, whatever. But I'm sure none of you did what I did the first time that I had a, a, a um, interaction with a woman in life, okay? Okay. Most people, and I can ask all four of you, who did you call? A best friend, your dad, who did you call? Best oh, friend. Best, best friend, for sure. Yeah, best for friend. Sure. Okay, go ahead. Guess what just happened. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I guess you could say I told my best friend. Mm-hmm. Okay, best friend. Yeah, okay. So I got home. It was a Friday night. I get home 1130. 
You called Richard. And I said to myself, oh, my God, he called Richard Rich, Richard's in Hawaii. <laughs> it's only 530 at night in Hawaii. I got to call Richard. <laughs> so I get home and I call Richard on the phone. And he was the greatest because never once did he say to me, hey, listen, I don't have time. Never did that to me. Mm-hmm. So I called him up and, and he's like, hello, because there's no caller ID back then or nothing. You know, he's like, hello. I said, Richard Scott. He's like, what's up, my man? I said, dude, I, I had some fun with a lady tonight. No, you didn't. I said, yeah, I did. He says, okay, you got to tell me what happened. <laughs> oh I got a 40, God. I got a 45 minute lesson from Richard Pryor right then and there. Richard told so, you to put your thing. Richard told you to put your fingers up to the phone. Oh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He, was, he was, he was awesome. <laughs> but, it, but it gave me, it gave me the beginnings of an education of what to do yeah. with women. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, I didn't have a clue. But I, the first time, nobody knows what they're doing. We just kind of do it and we just hope for the best, you know? <laughs> and then after I got done talking to Richard, forget that, man, you know? You were a I wanted, pro, pro. I wanted to go buy one of those bibs from Red Lobster, you know, and just say, hey, I'm here, okay? <laughs> I'm ready to go to Clamtown. <laughs> oh, my God. He was the best. I feel you, though. Yeah, he was quite a character, for sure. For sure. That is cool, though. What a story. Wow. Did you ever tell you, do this every time? <laughs> one of those? <laughs> I still do this, right? It's got to be that He one said thing. to me, listen, you know, after like the second or third or fourth or whatever, you know, he'd be like, is the woman happy? Is she satisfied? I said, well, I think so. He goes, thinking is not the right response. You have to know that you did your job because if you do your job, she's going to be happy to do her job. You see, that's how it's got to work. You got to take care of the woman and then you get taken care of. Okay, there you go. Wow. Yeah, that's some that's some tips. I'm marking that in my mental notes too. <laughs> but that's got to be after they say yes, okay? You know, you can't oh, yeah. start that. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! (sighs) Yeah, we'll take him step by step. It's all right, Damon. Don't worry, we'll help you out here, brother. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, I kind of don't think you really have much of a problem in this area. Just looking at you, but I could be wrong. I appreciate it, but no, you. I I have many problems. (laughs) Like, like that is a big. Yeah, I think it's the talking part of it. Like. I don't know. Or it's a series of unfortunate events. Like, okay, so for example, I did speed dating at a Comic-Con last... There, week. there. Right there. You nailed the problem. What? No, no, I want to hear this. Oh. <laughs> speed dating at a Comic-Con. Issue closed. Listen, listen, online is weird, and in person, I'm awkward as Sam. Like, I'm good with words, and then the stuff goes out. Anyway, I got a bunch of matches, fine, right? One person asked for a number during the event. Fine. We're good. We're talking. We're this and that. I had a hotel because I'm one of those people. I, it was in it was in the area, but why not, right? So I bring up to the room, but I guess we had mixed signals because she thought I was going to bring her to the room. I left her outside because I was just coming to drop my books off in the room. So I dropped my books off in the room, and I said, okay, so what are we doing? And, like, her face kind of fell, and I realized I did something wrong, but I didn't know what else I did. So we kind of walked down to the lobby, and then she left me in, like, 30 minutes. And then, like, later that night, she texted me. She's like, oh, I thought we were going to, like, have some fun, this or that. I'm like, oh, well, how was I supposed to know? <laughs> and like, we let's just say we never connected again. We talked about it. Uh, I may have driven a couple hours out to meet her. She may have left me out there. 
Um, it, it just didn't work out very well. But like that is emblematic of some of the struggles I'll have. And I okay, just but now, but now, but now, now let's 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 think about this for a minute. Okay. You were absolutely polite in in what you did. You you weren't thinking ahead that she was ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You were being polite. You're like, let me just drop this off. Yeah. So realistically, her wanting to have some fun is one thing. Okay. But what you did, if she would have looked at it and gone, you know what? He was very respectful. That was very nice of him not to just think that way. You know, mm-hmm. she should have gone down to the bar. You had a drink and then said, hey, you know, do, do you want to go back up to the room? I, I had a thought, you know. Okay. But yeah. But you didn't know and she didn't really play it that way. But okay. But in, in reality was you respected her as a woman and you did the right thing, even though the end doesn't turn up the way you wanted it to. Okay. You did the appropriate thing. I, I think I think I think there's a uh, it's it's interesting line, especially like uh, Corbin's obviously a good speaker and he listens. He can listen and he can ask questions and generally be engaged. I, I always think it's it's tough when you're you're kind of like that too. Is how to mix in that flirtation? You know, enough flirtation where you can progress a situation in that direction if that's where you're hoping it's going without in 2020 you know, getting yourself in hot water or just being crude in general, but being able to have stimulating conversation while still being flirtatious enough to push it in, in, in a more romantic direction. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tough line to walk. It, it, it is a tough line to walk, you know, it just, you know, I'm sure you have a decent personality. So you just make jokes and you kind of whatever, and it's kind of wherever the conversation takes you, you know? Yeah. That's well, kind of what happens, you know. So how many? I mean, I mean, I, mean, I sort of. Have, I mean, I have a joke, and this is great for Damon, okay? Because uh, we're the exact opposite, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. I'm ready. My last name, of course, is Schwartz, okay? And mm-hmm. I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know the the meanings of Schwartz in German or in Europe language, it's Schwartz. The equation is black. That's really Schwartz is black. That's what it means. That's the meaning of Schwartz. So I tell people, listen, I'm definitely Schwartz from the waist up, but I'm Jewish from the waist down. (laughs) (laughs) Little Schwartz in the shorts. So so I can give that joke to Damon and he can do it in reverse. I don't care if you're Jewish or not. Tell him you're Jewish for God's sakes and tell him, you know, because you're Jewish from the waist up, but you're, you know, Schwartz from the waist down. It's perfect. It's, it's Mel Brooks humor. Come on. Yeah. Now, if you tell a joke like that and the girl goes, oh, that's nice. Dude, you're barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> she's laughing. You've got a fish on the hook. There you go. Okay. Okay. Make sure she goes to Temple so she gets that joke. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, between that and, and yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a, that, that joke is committed to memory now, though. I need I need. To- <laughs> my joke. Thank you. I you get the credit, of course. <laughs> afterwards. After, afterwards, yeah. You know, I, I got really that joke. Yeah, when we're watching them, I talked to them. I got advice from this is going in my yeah. This is this is a record. You need there. to you and Scotty need to exchange numbers so he can be your Richard Pryor so you can call in and tell him whether his For joke worked. Real. Or not. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> How many interviews have you done where you've actually given relationship advice? <laughs> This may be the second one all time, maybe. 
But listen, I'm comfortable in any conversation. I'm older than all you fuckers. I think I'm old enough to be most of your fathers, for God's sakes. You definitely you know, we're pretty me. damn close. You know, yeah. I'm gonna see Damon's probably late 20s, 26, 27. Almost 25. Just I can be your father. Go ahead. Give me somebody else's age. 35. I'm 36. 36. Now I'd have to have been a really young father. 19, but I, but 19 I, but I, or so. But I'm on, I'm on, I'm on that, you know, I'd have to be a really young father. But, right there. <laughs> you know, it's age, years, and experience. That's all that it is. You know, it's all good. Hey, it's not, I'm, I'm appreciative. I'm telling you right now. Thank you. <laughs> Oh man! Now, now to find a celebrity for some kissing advice, then, then I'll be, then I'll be set. <laughs> kissing <laughs> advice, yo! Just go go on Pornhub and type out kissing, or go, you know, there's places on the internet to get that, Corbin. No, I bet you Richard Pryor gave some really good kissing advice. <laughs> no, 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 not kissing <laughs> advice. Oh, yeah, I think there's, there's, I think there's there's some things that you know a man has to figure out for himself, and I think kissing might yeah, be one of those. Well, well, you could do the Sam Kinison A B C D. You know, <laughs> yeah. you do the alphabet, you know, but that's not going to help you with kissing there, you know. You know, just you got to just kind of, you know, you just kind of come up with your own style, man. Follow their lead, just whatever seems natural, just go with it, man. No, okay, that I've been tr- I've been trying like maybe the last two days. I have. Zero chemistry on there, but I will continue to go at it. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. It's a tongue. Why is he in- laughing so hard? Damon, this poor bastard, is over here asking for sincere advice. He's falling off the chair. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It's funny to it's me. A mess. It's a mess. And my issues are well reported here. That's why I'm grateful for the help because these guys hear it. I told them in the chat about a recent bad experience this past week. I'm just, I'm going through it. I need it. So, Shameless help here, but thanks. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Yeah. And like we were talking about, Scotty already talked about. Scott talked about the idea that you know the reason people connected with him is because he asked questions and asked for advice on things. So you're already you're not. That's the first step into building a relationship. There we go. That's true. Well, communication is definitely the key. You've got to find somebody yeah. that you mind meld with that thinks semi the same way you do as similar beliefs than you do doesn't necessarily have to be the same religion you know yeah there because you know i I, i've dated jewish women i've dated non-jewish women it's like okay you know it's kind of one of those all right whatever you know and there's a lot of people you know catholic christian and you know most people because the numbers are catholic or christian and i try and tell them they're all jews (laughs) because really jesus was jewish I don't care what color it is. And honestly, Damon, I really hope that they make Jesus a black man. Because the blacks love the Jews and the Jews love the blacks. So let's go, man. What's the difference? Just make it work. Listen, you're right. No arguments on this guy right here. No. He definitely wasn't white. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, just, you know, just everybody just respect and care for one another and whatever it is. And okay, you make it work, you know, but, you know. Women are women and men are men, and yes, they're from Venus, and yes, we are from Mars, and you just got to find one that you click with. Here we got mm-hmm. I get you, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I jumped in in a weird moment. <laughs> yeah, Cor- Corbin's uh, asking dating, dating advice. advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was getting it. It was very helpful. <laughs> tell them to pick up lines and, and oh, what to I got look for. And- I'm ready. 
I, I sat with the for the end rest of the year, but now I may have to reconsider with some newfound confidence again. Oh man, so, that's funny. I wish there was somebody I could say, listen to this person about dating, mm-hmm. but I don't think there really is like that that one all that that did that. I mean, Pryor didn't do it, Carlin didn't do it, Kinnison didn't do it, Red Fox didn't do it, Eddie didn't do it, you know. None of them really none of them did that dating thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of comes naturally to whatever your style is. Yeah. Definitely. 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 Moving on. What's next? Here we go. <laughs> so how did your how did your career transition into the, the adult industry? Um by accident. I was at the comedy store one night and met one of the guys from the business. He was a fan. He said, Hey, do you want to meet some of the girls? I'm 19 years old. Hell my, yeah. heter- my heterosexual male. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> so, okay. And the next thing you know, I was meeting people and then I was going to sets and then it's like, hey, we need a PA, production assistant to make the sandwiches and go get coffees. And yeah, okay, fine, whatever, you know. Well, I was meeting this, people. Here. Uh, who, was this character happened? Who, who's this character? Is this somebody we know? Oh, he's been in the news recently. Okay. Oh you know? yeah, yeah! I know who that is. Uh, I, I I would love to hear some some great comedy store uh, uh, stories. Do you have any great comedy store stories? Um, <clears throat> sure. I mean, you know, I was there for almost two years, and I was there during kind of that second golden era that they had because it was Kinnison, Dice, Jim Carrey. Uh, Pryor, Rich Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio, uh, Yakov Smirnoff, and then, you know, other guys that some guys would know, some Harry Basil, Roger Bear, Finus Henderson, you know, on, on, and on. Um, but, uh, I mean, the, the, the most, one of the most hilarious stories is, and some people know this, some parts of the story, but not all of it. Andrew Dice Clay and Sam Kinison had this thing back and forth. And, uh, they were not fans of each other. Let's put it that way. The material they did wasn't even close to one another, but Sam thought that Dice had stolen one of his jokes. So we're standing in front of what they call the original room, which is in front of the comedy store right on Sunset Boulevard. And Sam is to my left and Dice is to my right. And all of a sudden, things are flying. Jackets are flying. Chairs are flying. People are getting to the ground. Security is coming over, whatever. And Sam leaves. And everybody's, you know, Dice is cursing him out and whatever. And about 10 minutes later, we get a phone call in the booth from one of the guys at Sam's house. He says, tell Dice to leave. Sam did four lines of coke. He's got his 38. It's loaded. And he's coming back to kill Dice. Okay. So he calls me up, tells me what's going on. I run into the back and I tell Dice. I said, listen. I go, Andrew, you got to get out of here. I used to call him Andrew. Sometimes Andrew, sometimes Andy. And he hated Andy. He goes, only my grandmother calls me Andy. I said, well, I got other friends who are Andrew. Guess what? You're Andy. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so I said, doesn't matter, but you got to get out of here. Sam's coming back. He's loaded his gun. He's going to shoot you. You got to go home. <laughs> and he was all pissed, but he left. So within a couple minutes, we I can hear, I'm out front, and I can hear Sam's Mustang coming down Sunset Boulevard. He pulls up in front, right on the sidewalk. Doesn't pull in the lot. He's on the sidewalk with his Mustang, and he's got the 38 like this. And he's ready to go. <laughs> and he walks into the little area where we are, and there's a walkway 
on the side. And we're telling him, relax, calm down. Dice is gone. Relax. He'd go home. Dice is gone. He went home. And he's like, oh, this. And he's cursing. This is BS, blah, blah, blah. And he starts to go down the walkway. And people are still trying to tell him, no, no, he's gone. He's left. Whatever. And all of a sudden, the gun goes off. The bullet ricocheted off the top and into the back. There was a the, of the comedy store sign. There was a bullet hole at the top of that comedy store sign for yep. fifteen years, I think, till they fixed it. I heard that. Yeah. I did hear that. That there was a bullet hole in that Hollywood sign because of Sam Kinison. That is hilarious. I, I was there. You know. Wow. I yeah. I've heard stories. Uh, did you know Sam very well? Mm-hmm. I heard a story um, from um, Carla and Bill Howie. Do you ever have you ever heard of them? Carla and Bill Howie, they were like acting school people. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I um, I heard a story about um, that he, right before he died, he had kind of figured everything out. He was sober and um, he, you know, he had just got married that night or something. A week he, before. Yeah. And and he was just figuring everything out right before he died. Um, sober, maybe a couple days. I don't know. You know, uh, but he was on his way to uh, to Arizona to do a show. Yep. And a drunk driver hit him. Yeah. And uh, terrible. On, you know, but Sam was a he was an interesting duck, man. You know, when he was loaded, you knew he was loaded, and he was totally nuts. And then you knew when he wasn't loaded because he was just a different person. You know, you'd sit in your BS with him and chit chat and whatever. You know. And, and I mean, I ended up, I moved back to, after I left the comedy store, I ended up moving back to New Jersey and he had my phone number and he called me up and he was playing Atlantic City, you know, and brought me down there for a couple of days to hang out, whatever. And he was, you know, 50-50, but he knew I didn't do that stuff, you know, so that just wasn't something he sat in front of me and did lines of coke that never happened because he knew that wasn't my bag, you know, and we would yeah. just have decent conversation. Yeah. It, it sounds like you've, you've you know have been friends and, and met, uh, at least, uh, in part for lack of a better term, some of these kind of wilder figures, these wild kind of male figures. Um, do you think the, the ingredient that makes them this, that, you know, like prior when he was going through his stuff or, uh, Savage or, or, uh, Kinnison, if you remove that, whatever that is inside him, that wildness, do you still get the same product you think in their work? Or do you think, in some ways, that's essential to who, who, what their work is, and who, and who they are. Probably you need guys like that. Yeah, I mean, probably family? to a certain amount of it, it's it's the product of what they're doing. You know, mm. I mean, Robin Williams was Robin Williams. You know, he went through mm. his his you know times when he was not on the wagon, and he was off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon, and you can kind of see it in his performances. But he's still Robin. You know. Right. Sam never went on stage, you know, half loaded, you know, maybe half loaded a couple times, but otherwise, you know, he just went and was just, that was his thing. That's what he did. You know, Andrew Dice Clay, completely different. Dice was Dice. You know, he didn't need anything. He just, he just rolled out of bed and that was who he was. You know, I wonder, I wonder if in, in this kind of cancel culture society, if, if those men even have a place in the industry anymore, men like that. And I wonder, you know, because of they would because yeah. of their history. There's a guy that now he's passed. He's gone named Don Rickles. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. He made a living and a 50 year career out of insulting people and making racist jokes. But that's what he did. 
Everybody knew this. So it wasn't like somebody is going to walk up to Don Rickles and tell him he's racist because Sammy Davis Jr. would walk next to him and go, are you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. You know, so the people that knew him and loved him, they knew who he was and the fans knew who he was. He made a career out of that. Pryor, Carlin, Lenny Bruce, George uh, uh, um, Kinnison, any of them, if they were still here, they would be able to keep that ball rolling because of who they are and the history that they have. You know, I do a lot of things that are non-PC, okay? And people tell me stuff and I say, listen, my mentor was Richard Pryor. If that doesn't tell you enough about me, then you're blind, deaf, dumb, and stupid. Right. You know, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know that the young man, the last one that joined us, what's your name? Brian. Brian, okay. So here's one of those nights at the comedy store, and I tell it for a particular reason, because you kind of mentioned that form of entertainment. So I'm working the main room, and Richard was coming in. So I'm in the main room, I'm seating people. Okay, fine, a waitress comes over. Richard's in the back. So I go in the back. And they had a little green room area, you know, what they call a green room, just waiting around backstage. And it's Sam, Robin Williams, Richard Pryor, his wife, Jennifer, and me, just the five of us. We talked for a few minutes, whatever. Okay, it's time for Richard to go on stage. Now, if you kind of picture this in your head, if you walked out that door, you went all the way to the end of this hallway, you made a left, that took you to the audience. But if you walked out the door and you made an immediate left, that took you to the back of the main room stage where the curtains are. So I opened up the door because I'm a doorman. That's my job. Okay, fine. And Robin goes out and makes a left. And Sam goes out and makes a left. And Jennifer went out and went all the way to the end of the hallway. I'm holding the door. And Richard says, okay, so what are you doing? I said, dude, I'm working. You know, I'm on the clock. He goes, nah, not right now. Come on. So he grabs me, drags me through the back of the curtain. So there's two little steps on the main room stage. Richard and I sit at the back of the stage and there's Robin and Sam for 25 minutes. And they're just anything you could ever possibly imagine hearing you heard non PC didn't matter. Every racist joke you could possibly make just going insanity, sex jokes, whatever. So Sam turns around and hands the mic to Richard. So he sits next to me and now it's Robin and Richard and they do 25, 30 minutes and they're killing it. I mean, I'm my stomach was hurting. I was laughing so hard. So Robin gets Robin gets done. He turns around and he goes to hand me the mic. And I'm not kidding. I looked at him and I said, and what would you like me to do? And he looks at me and he goes, that's your boy. Go get him. Go get him. (laughs) Whatever you want. Okay. So Robin sits down and I walked up and Richard was looking at the audience. He turns and he sees me standing there and he goes, oh, you want some of this now. And he starts making every pre-puberty dick joke you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, it's total non – it's not PC. It's not – I mean, it was crazy. And I just let him go for a couple minutes. And then finally he kind of got out of breath. He just kind of looked at me and he goes, you got nothing to say? My head said, go get him. Well, <laughs> I, now I let him have it. And I'm making every interracial joke I can think of with him and a chick in this and on the set and what, and being at his house so many times. And they're cracking up and they loved it. And it's the only time I ever got a chance to do material like that. You know, then we got, he was finally like, all right, we're done. That's enough already. And then we all four took a bow and the whole thing got off the stage, you know. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, that's one of those stories that, you know, I can tell it. People go, oh, this and that. But there's actually the guy that was working there in the spotlight. He's still around. He lives in New Jersey. I said, thank God you're still alive. You can actually back up my story that it really did happen. You know, I, 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 I could talk uh, for, for a while about some of the stuff that you've, your, your life and your career, because uh, a couple of other things that um, just blow me away. Um, trading cards, your, your, your story with trading cards. I'm a big fan of sports cards. Um, of course, we, we talk about comic books a lot on this show, but I collect sports cards to this day. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm sitting here with unopened packs of them just sitting here. So t- can you talk about your story into trading cards and sports cards? I was, I always, I collected cards. I started in 1975, 75 tops was my first set. Whoa. I just kind of went all the way and I went to Beautiful national sports set. card conventions. Yeah. It was just a great looking set. Um, when I was doing the toy, I met a guy who owned a baseball card store and I was buying one sheet, one nine sheet of every rookie card. So it was the 84 Donruss Mattingly, you know, and the, the 84 Donruss Strawberry and the 82 Ripkins and, you know, Gretzky rookies, yeah. all that stuff. And, um, meeting people, in the in the industry throughout the years, uh, I came up with an idea, and I actually went to Upper Deck first, and they kind of went, nah. and then I ended up. The guys from Donruss called me up and said, "Hey, we you got to pitch this, pitch this to the owner, the head of sales, the CEO, all this stuff. We I like the idea, the head of sales like the idea. Let's see if we can make something happen." And I came up with the basis for Donruss Americana. Mm-hmm. which was all celebrity driven because I knew how many celebrities. Yep. And I said, how bad is this to call up a friend or somebody you know and go, hey, you want to make a couple of grand? I'm coming over to sign autographs. Come on, here we go. So it was, it was, you know, kind of an easy sale. I said, how many, and this is no dig on any athlete, but how many Dan Marinos do you need? How many Emmett Smiths or George Bretts or Robin Younes or any of these guys? Do entertainment. It's never been done before. And they were like, okay, you know, and, and the industry and, and the inscription cards, that's, that's my baby because I mean, I did a signing with Burt Reynolds and we had these things called director's cuts. So the little Brown stickers were a little bit bigger than just the regular ones that they have. Now that you see that the, the clear ones, so they were a little bit bigger. And I went, Hmm, even before I got there, I knew what I was going to do already. So I got Burt Reynolds to sign Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit, Burt Reynolds, Deliverance, Adam West, Batman, you know. So, I, you know, Carrie Fisher, uh, you know, I wanted her to write Princess Leia. She hated writing Princess Leia. She hated it. But she write P.L. Organa on, on, I think I had her do, I think she did 10 total that said Mrs. Han Solo. Wow. You know, um, know, Carrie Fisher, Star Wars, you know. Um, For those of, of you guys that don't know what he's talking about, a perfect example way to explain it is people will go ask base, uh, Pete Rose to sign baseballs now. And, you know, they'll ask him to write crazy things on there. You know, like I cheated on baseball. Or sorry, I've been on baseball. Sorry, 56 yeah. or Hall of Fame or whatever it is, stuff like that. So I turned that into the entertainment version of it, getting actors and actresses to write, you know, their, their movies or show. Ron Howard did Happy Days, Opie, the Andy Griffith Show. And now uh, every card company does this with sports players. You know, they'll take 20 of, of each card, you know, it, so they'll have 100 autographs, and they'll take 20 of those autographs and make the player write something goofy on it, 
And those cards with that little goofy writing on it, or their, you know, some little saying that they're famous for, sells for a ton of money more than their regular autograph. And it's in every set nowadays. And he started it. Scotty started it. So that's cool. You know, cool. The, you know, uh, Benchwarmer Trading Card Company with the girls. Okay, I knew the owner. I knew him since before he owned the company when he was doing Beanie Babies. Yeah. Okay, forever and a day ago. And his company was kind of up and down. Sometimes he had a good release, a bad release, whatever it was. And I said to him, I said, listen, you do the same thing on every freaking card. Girl sign in black. Okay, fine. I said, that's great. I said, have them sign the base in black. Have the blue out of 250. Have the red out of, you know, the green out of whatever. And change the ink tone. Change the ink color. And do the little numbered stick, the numbered thing in the color of the ink. So if it's a green ink, it's numbered out of five, numbered a card out of five, it's green ink. You know, he's done extremely well. And this has been, I don't know, since 07, 08, I think he started doing it. Yeah. And I told him, you know, the one of ones and the, you know, yeah. get him to do this inscription or get him to come up with that, you know. Do you still so, collect nowadays at all? A little, you know, not nearly as much as I used to. I mean, you know. The, the funds aren't there the same way, you know, jobs yeah. aren't there the same way. So you can only spend so much on expendable income, you know, what on, on the, having what, fun. What is your grail card, your holy grail of a card? You might, um, own it, you might not own it. You're the greatest card that, that you can think of that you would love to own. Well, no, well, wait, I mean. You know, I mean, that, not money-wise. I'm talking about, like, for me, the card that I want more than anything right now and it's worth a lot of money, but I don't want it because it's worth a lot of money. I want an OPG Gretzky rookie with the famous OPG um, frayed edges mm -hmm. because I that's like growing up. I remember seeing the OPG Gretzky rookie next to the Topps rookie and go, man, look how – why would anybody want an OPG rookie? But I want that frayed edge OPG rookie. I wish I knew we were going to talk about cards. I'd have brought a couple of cards that mm -hmm. I have sitting in my desk. They're in my <laughs> office. I'm not going to go run and get them. But, of course, um, yeah. Uh, I have, they've only, I think there's been two. There may only be one, if then I have it. I think there's only ever been two done that were George Steinbrenner signed cut cards, owner of the Yankees. It's not a $10,000 card. You know, it's probably $1,500, two grand, whatever it is. But, you know, that I have in my collection, you know, and unless That's things crazy. get better, I may have to sell it at some point. But That's awesome. um, uh, Famous Fabrics did, a, did a, a line called Sports Kings. Yep. And they had the giant one of one pieces. You know, and I have like the giant one of one Roddy Piper memorabilia piece, and <laughs> I got and I got him to sign it for me. Oh, that's you great. know, um, that's I have the the Barry Bonds part of the cap with the SF. Yeah. So the logo stuck out of the card because it was the cap piece. Yeah. I have that, and I had Barry sign it for me. Wow. You know? So those, I mean, those are a couple things that I have. But I mean, there's you know, I have I have a Burt Reynolds Smokey and the Bandit. Yep. Know? That was That's my cool. guy. It was that was one of my favorite movies, you know. So it was like, and I got to to work with Gleason, who was beautiful for Justice, and I got to hang out with the bandits. So it was great. That's awesome. That's freaking cool. And doing it, I mean, doing that line. I mean, it was really fun because you know it was it, it was fun because I knew people who repped other celebrities. So I would just call up my friend and say, "Hey, you rep this celebrity, this person, this person, this person. I want to do a signing with them. This is what I'm doing. Blah, blah, blah. You send them an email and they go, sure. Okay. Come on over. You know, uh, you know, Ed O'Neill from married with children. I've known him 30 plus years. You know, I've known him since I moved out to LA, you know, 
and I didn't have his number. And I talked to, to David Faustino, who played Bud Bundy. And I said, can you do me a favor and call Ed? I want to go over and, and do this with Ed. So he called up Ed, and I hadn't seen Ed in a long time. And, he, and I'm listening to David on the phone. He goes, eh, Scotty, da, da, da. Scotty. He goes, trust me. As soon as you open the door, you're going to know who he is. Just take my word for it, whatever. Ed says, fine, come on over. So I went to Ed's house, and he opens up the door, and he goes, now I know who you are. Oh, my God. How the hell have you been? And he gave you a hug and whatever. He goes, this is great. That's awesome. That is so cool, man. I can't believe that. Um, yeah, most most of the mo- – actually, really, all of the stuff, even if you go on, like, eBay, and you see Ed O'Neill signed Al Bundy's jerseys and the helmets and all that, that's all – I've witnessed every single one of them because he's pretty much exclusive with me. You know, That's cool. Somebody calls up his agent. They want to do an autograph signing. They call Ed, and Ed goes, yeah, call Scotty. That's so cool. You know. Oh man, that's awesome! I love I love finding out these little things like this that uh, uh, people might not know about. You know, uh, uh, interesting stuff. But the uh, upper deck, they put it in. I think it was called. Um, um, oh God, it was the Spectrum of Stars insert set in two thousand and seven. Two thousand? No, no, bef- way before that, dude. Two thousand and seven Spectrum Baseball. Oh, okay. They put in a subset Spectrum of Stars. And uh, I had told them the idea already. They didn't take me on as the person to do it. They hired somebody else. Six months later, the guy had gotten them no autographs, zero. They had 31 days to what they call pack out, which is actually putting the cards from, you know, the sheets into the packs. They didn't have one celebrity. They had printed up the wrappers that said one celebrity autograph on a box. They had printed up the boxes that says one celebrity, and they had nothing. So they called me up and I go down there and they tell me what happened. And I'm like, so you guys tried to do this without me. Why would you do that? This is stupid. You you, you told me this six months ago. I could have done incredible things for you. But now I had so many days. Okay, fine. So they gave me everything. I've got stickers, markers, contracts. I got money. Okay, here we go. And uh, I mean, I did Tiffany and Debbie Gibson and uh, Anthony Michael Hall. uh, uh, Oh, God. Um, Uh. Linda Blair, and it was great because, I mean, they're signing those little stickers, and I still got him to, you know, Anthony Michael Hall, 16 Candles. You oh, know. wow. Tiffany, I think we're alone now. <laughs> and I got him to do it in black, blue, red. Yeah, that's genius, man. It's genius. because, Like, you guys don't understand. That is the norm in cards right now. That's what everybody's searching for, these – you know, uh, um, variants basically on yeah. the originals. So it's 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 very cool. It's amazing to see what's going on in the card world right now. The card world has really blown up. Um, it's it's beyond wacky do. I mean, I'm, I I sit almost every night and I go, "Are you kidding me?" Because it's like, you know, yeah. Jordan nines or LeBron, or, and I'm like thinking, one point four million for a LeBron rookie the other day. I know, I know. Oh yeah. I, yeah, that was crazy. You know, uh, we were in Hawaii at, at a, one of the trade summits, and it wasn't autographed because that's not the way that they came, but they had 10 LeBron patch cards with the special logo and all this crap. And I'm going, I know what I sold that card for, and I probably could have gotten 20 times that amount now. Yep. You yep. know, but I mean, I opened packs of 0304 Ultimate and Exquisite. Oh. You know, oh. I mean, I opened the packs. They were in, they were insane. They were like six hundred a pack when they came out, or whatever. You know, yeah. Just think what it, they're going for now. Uh, 
Well, what uh, I think it's I think it's, I think it's twelve thousand to fourteen thousand a box. It's it's ridiculous. It's something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's put it this way. I mean, look at what boxes of old wax are going for. You look at oh. the eighty six, eighty seven Fleer ba- basketball. It's going for like eighty thousand, a hundred thousand a box, if not oh. more. Oh. Um, and they printed that thing like crazy. I remember getting it from my ice cream man. There's there's a guy who became a rep. He rep Muhammad Ali, Sandy Koufax. His name is Harlan Warner. Okay. Before any of that, he had a baseball card store in L.A. In Woodland Hills called America's Favorite Card Store. This is June of 87. Whoa. And I go in and I had I had my check written out for a thousand bucks. And I was buying two cases of 87 Fleer baseball. Oh. Okay. So I go in and he says to me, Scotty, listen, I got a deal for you. I said, I came up to pick up my two cases of baseball. He says, no, I know that. He's come in my office. So he takes me in the office. Behind the door is four cases of 86, 87 Fleer basketball. He says, listen, they're moving a little bit, but not enough. I just really want to get rid of them at cost. You know, you can ha- you can take the case. There's 12 boxes in a case, $120 a case. Oh. So you could take God. these four cases for 480 bucks, have your one baseball case, you know. And I said, you know, I just I just don't do a lot of basketball. Oh my God. Oh there's, God. T- there's 12 boxes in a case, four cases. One box goes for a hundred thousand now. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's five million bucks sitting there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'd be retired. I'd be, you know, I'd be on some, you know, somewhere where nobody can find me except on Zoom or Facebook. You know, <laughs> I'd be calling people, going, "Yeah, bring me my milk, okay?" You know, I don't have that. Uh, um. I want to change the subject. Do you guys, do you guys mind if I ask one more question? Cause uh, there's something I definitely want to talk about. And um, that's your relationship with Corey Haim. Um, yeah, you had a, a good relationship with Corey Haim. And, My little brother. Little yeah, brother. And there, he, there's a lot of stuff being talked about in the news these days, the last couple months, especially the last year. Um, all this news that, you know about the 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 stuff that's going on in Hollywood, and you were talking about that stuff basically before a lot of people. Um, Corey Haim was at least. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts are going on with the other Corey right now? Oh, let's see. Doctor Joyce Brothers, Doctor Phil, Doctor Oz, and Albert Schweitzer. It would take to enough therapy to fix that kid. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's this disgusting. Is, this is this is over thirty years of drug use. The memory's not what it was. Doesn't remember exact things. Doesn't remember what happened. Makes up stuff. Accuses people that by far didn't do the things that he's saying that they did. It's for his own personal reasons, agenda, whatever you want to call it. Um, Corey Haim was a great dude. He was one of those guys that you would want to be friends with because he was just a good-hearted man. You know, and I knew him since he was, you know, fifth, almost 15, somewhere around there, you know, um, you know, Mr. Feldman has said what he has said, you know, and half truth, half not truth, you know, you know, there, there are things that have been said against Charlie Sheen and that's just not true. You know, I had this converse. I had this conversation with Corey Haim. I know who did what, when it happened, how it happened. Nothing to do with Charlie Sheen, and he would have no reason to lie to me, because not only were we friends, but when something happened, inevitably he called me. It would either be me having to go take care of something, or he would end up in my apartment, 
you know, for a week and I would take care of him, you know, cook for him, do laundry, whatever. So you have no reason to lie, you know. So there's there's money. It's a money factory right now with Feldman. And this has been going on for years now. First, it was the book. And there was a bunch of nonsense in there. And then it's the movie on Lifetime. And there was more nonsense in there. And then it's the documentary now, which is loaded with it. You know, I know Corey Haim's mother. I know Corey Haim's father. I know what kind of people they are. You know, they they weren't together. They, they were getting divorced and all those kinds of things back then. But I knew both of them. I know the family. These are good people. They're not going to let anything happen to their kid. They're not just not going to show up and let him fend for himself at 14 and 13. It's ridiculous. You know? Um, yeah, one of the things that really kind of blew it out of out of left field for me is the the, the, the talk about Corey Haynes' mom and what she has to say about the movie. And Feldman just brushes it off. And here's his mom saying, listen – if if you're going to name names and do all this stuff, great. But the second you put money behind it and put a movie out and you're trying to make money off of it, you all your credibility goes out the window. And that's from Corey Haynes' mom. But Feldman's been doing this for 10 years. It's disgusting. Okay. Now, if you want to know, I, I will tell you it's not in his book because there's no way he would ever say it. It's not in the movie. Forget it. Okay. I'm sure you all have a best friend somebody okay that you've known for years whatever when this person passes away god forbid you know whenever that day comes you're gonna be devastated you're gonna be crying you're gonna be upset everything comes back when this happens it happened because i was friends with Hain. okay so <clears throat> the day that it happened it was early very early on a thursday morning you know i got up in the morning i heard what happened i went over to their apartment his uh Corey Haim's mom is there okay I left after an hour and a half, whatever. Feldman had shown up after I left, and I told him I would be back the next day, which was a Friday. I got back the next day, and Corey Haim's dad had already been there. He got in the previous night, and I got there about 1230, somewhere around there. Well, I walked in, and I had missed the fun. Corey Feldman, whose best friend just passed away 34 hours before this actually went to Corey Heem's family and offered them money to shoot the funeral so they could put it into season two of Corey and Corey, get another year of airtime and get better residuals out of DVDs. This is his best friend, but he's trying to make money off of this. The, the kid is still sitting in the coroner's office. Well, they threw him out. I mean, they got pissed and they threw him out. So when I walked in, I was there about an hour after him. And Corey Haim's father took me outside. They had a little patio outside their apartment, you know, outside Corey and, and Judy's apartment. And he tells me what went down. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. There's just no way you, you can comprehend this. Okay. So, of course, you don't throw me out. I didn't do what he did, whatever. And about an hour later, his mom went into the bedroom, starts taking his clothes, throwing it into bags and whatever. I said, what are you doing? 
this is going to get donated to the homeless and this is going to go to the goodwill. I said, listen, you don't have money for the for the burial. They didn't have money for his funeral. I said, it sounds horrible, but it's not what I'm going to say. I said, I sell things on eBay. This is from his personal collection. He has fans out there. They're going to want this stuff. You need money for the funeral. Let me take the stuff. I'll sell it. You can have it. I don't want 10 cents. I'm trying to help you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maria Menudos from Access Hollywood showed up. She saw what I was doing. She asked. We talked. She says, can I do a little interview with you? We'll put it on the air tonight so people will see your items are on eBay and they're real and whatever. I said, sure. We sold about $12,000, $13,000 worth of stuff over the next week. Wow. eBay took their fees because that's what they do. Okay, fine. And everything else went to the family. I didn't make 10 cents. Don't You don't want to believe me? That's okay. You can Google it. You can actually go on Google, put in my name and Corey Ham, and it'll, all, it'll come up because that's what I did and that's what happened. Yes, sir. What's There's you, you have love for people. You have understanding and compassion for people. Corey Feldman has no compassion for anyone but himself. He has no care for anyone but himself. It's all – it's motivated by what's best for him, what's going to do something for him or put money in his pocket. That's all he's interested in. You know, the movie was going to be one time, and that was enough. And and Judy Hame was upset about it, Corey's mom, and we talked. And she's like a second mom to me because we talked every couple of days, you know. Yeah, I, I more or less took kind of Corey's part, I guess, as the son. You know, I'm a little bit older, but not that much, you know. Um, but I love this woman to death. She's a good mom. But she's a grieving mother for now a decade. And this this other kid is still going. He don't stop. And he keeps up bringing it up and just, just making it worse. You well, know? He makes, he's making money off of his dead friend. Yeah. Exactly. That's what he's doing, you know. And he said, you know, oh, we spent 600000 or one, it was $1.7 million on the documentary. Listen. I don't care if they had filet mignon and lobster tail every night when they were doing this thing for over the course of the two years. You can't spend that much money on this thing. Mm -hmm. It's a camera. There's a director. He's shooting the camera. It's video. It's cheap. It's nothing. They shot it mostly at the at his house. Yeah, it doesn't look like a, a $1.7 million documentary. That's for sure. No. Uh, listen, Hollywood is creative. And even as much of an a-hole as he may be, he wrote the song for the movie. He's got to get paid for that. So whatever he told his investors that he spent, I bet you two-thirds of it was spent somehow on him. It's the soundtrack. It's the editing. It's the associate producing. I feel sorry for those people because they're never going to see their money back. It's gone. So first it was going to be on one time, and then they had a problem with that. Then he was going to have it for two other days. Then it was going to be a month. And now because people are still saying, hey – we don't like what you did here. He's going, well, I'm just going to keep it up online forever. And people can keep paying the 20 bucks and 30 bucks and come and see it. And it's just so he can make more money. Yeah. Because he didn't make any money, the money he thought it was. I remember hearing about it at first where they were talking about, he was selling tickets uh, to each showing and, and it sold like, uh, you know, a couple hundred tickets. And because people think it's disgusting. It's gross. Well, it is. It is. Listen, so I'm there with Corey Haim's father, and this is Friday, and I said, when and where is the funeral? He said, the funeral is on Tuesday in Toronto. So I said, okay, I'll take the red eye Saturday, uh, Sunday night, 
I'll spend Monday some time with you guys and then Tuesday, whatever. And then Tuesday night, I'll go back to L.A. He says, no, don't do that. He said, you're going to do all of that and spend thousands of dollars because back then, you know, it wasn't like it is now, you know, as far as cheaper ticket wise. I'd have had to pay a bloody four. It could have been three, three grand, let's say, between airfare and hotel. Yeah. And he said to me, listen, I know you love my son. Judy knows you love her son. Corey knows you love him. There's no reason to do all of that and look at a box. There's no reason. Make a plan and come later. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. Okay. This is Friday. Monday night, Corey Feldman went on Larry King. And they asked him, Larry King asked him, are you going to the funeral? Mm-hmm. Now, if he was any kind of a human being, he would have said, you know what, Larry? I just went through my divorce couple months ago and I just don't have the money to make it, you know, but I hope everything works out okay and I will go and see him at another time. That's what he should have said. Textbook that's that's the truth. Instead, he came up with, oh no, no, you see the family asked me not to come to the funeral because it would have been a media spectacle as if he's Michael Jackson. He thought he was Michael Jackson. Uh, I thought he was Michael Jackson. That's the point. He thinks if he shows up, oh, my God, there's 200 members of the press and thousands of people are going to show up. You ruined the whole thing on his account. So this is what he came up with, and it was total nonsense. You know? So, you know, that that whole time and that whole period, he was playing the money game. Oh, I got to do this, and I got to get called TMZ. Oh, hey, I'm going to Sunset Tattoo Parlor. Come over and see me get a, a tattoo of Corey Haim. Who does that? This is supposed to be your best friend. You're supposed to be almost in mourning to some degree if that's really and truly your best friend. You know, I mean, I did what I had to do because I had to help the family. That doesn't mean I'm st- I wasn't standing over my computer as I'm typing that I wasn't crying. You know, yep. I mean, th- today is July 24th of 2020. It's been 10 years, four months and 14 days since he's gone, since Corey Haim has passed away, and I have yet to watch one minute of anything he was in. I can't do it. I can't do it. I know my emotions are just going to fly out of me, you know? And I certain have I have a certain way that I deal with people who have passed, because a lot of people I worked with are gone, you know? You know, my thing, especially being in the movies and stuff, is I say they're on location. They're on location somewhere. I don't know when they're going to be back. I don't know when I'm going to talk to them again, but they're on location. You know, no internet service. Someday they'll, they'll come back from location. I'll get to talk to them. We know that that's not reality, but that's the way that I deal with it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I don't care. That doesn't mean I don't cry, at, you know, March 10th. That doesn't mean I don't cry on his birthday. You know, sometimes his mom and I have some great conversations and I'll just, I'll lose it because it's where my heart is. There's no money motivation there whatsoever. You know, I've done many interviews on this topic, podcasts, whatever I've done. You know, there was one guy that did a four-part series on this for, for on one of the websites. I haven't been paid a dime. I don't want any money for any of this. I want Corey Feldman to shut the hell up already. Amen. If somebody, if somebody wants to pay me to do this, I'll tell him send the money to Judy Haim. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't need it. Send it to Judy Haim. She's, yeah. She could use it. She she lives up in Canada. She's on a fixed income. She's retired. You know, the 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 uh, uh, the country they have their you know 
senior citizen thing that they do and whatever, and the old Jewish people have a thing that they do. That's what she that's how she lives. It's not bad, you know, but you know, this just more than that, anything, yeah, more than anything, she she wants her son to be remembered, not remember like this, not have Corey Feldman keep bringing up his name over and over and over to make money off of it. That's that, yeah. That's yeah, that's, you, that's you are exactly correct. You know, yeah. it's like, I like mean, fetishizing, gone, I, fetishizing the scandal of it, as a, you know, as opposed to his work and his life and, and things like that. Yeah. Listen, Corey Haim was a hell of an actor. He really was. You know, they've talked for years about getting him a star on the Canadian Walk of Fame and all that. And he probably should have it. He did forty something movies or whatever over the course of you know how many years. God, I think he's eighty three or eighty four is his first movie in two thousand ten. You know, 16, 16 years, you know, something like that. It's a good stretch, you know, and he did a good body of work. You know, that's what he should be remembered for, not this baloney, you know, which is, you know, yeah. again, Feldman doesn't care what he's remembered for. He could care less. No. He just because that, that, that does nothing for him. He needs money. He needs money. This, this is a money grab, a money grab. And I'm just thinking, well, what's he going to do now? You know? I mean, if you're going to name names and you're going to you're going to say I have this pedophilia ring and this is what I've got to name the name, we'll name the names. Just call a press conference. Trust me, they'll show up. Yeah. Oh yeah. But he, but he doesn't do that. It's like he holds it ransom. It's a great word. He holds it ransom, so you'll pay him to find out. And and what do you find out? Nothing. He said the same thing in the documentary. He said in the book, and he said everywhere else. He's nothing new. Yeah. Right. You know? It's like one of those old Coney Island like. Freak show things like come see a man eating chicken. He's a barker. And he's a like barker. you give me, yeah, yeah, he's a barker. He's a barker. That's exactly what it is. He's a circus barker. But he's ransoming information that it's not even there, or he doesn't even say it. You know, we don't know why. You know, other than he has nothing else. You know, I mean, let's face it. You know, if one of his albums ever goes to number one, the world is really collapsed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, my brother one time showed me a video. I think it, it, it was some type of video where he had, he's has a band of chicks behind him or some type his of show. angels, his angels. angels. It, it fucking was so cringe for me to watch. I was so embarrassed for those chicks. The, to, to, well, he did the today show oh. and it was so bad. That they said, okay, you know, this was bad, the sound or whatever it was. So we'll let you do it again. But they didn't actually have it on the Today Show. They had it on the After Hours internet feed. <laughs> so it wasn't actually on the live show. It was on the After Show, you know. Oh, oh man. He, he, he thinks he can sing, it's you know. And I've, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If Corey Feldman watches this, you name the time, you name the place. You pick any three songs that you want, and I will show up, and we'll let the people decide. And if there's money involved, I don't want it. If I win, give it to Judy Haim. That's my opinion. There we go. And that's just me. I'm not a professional singer. I can carry a tune. But by gum, I know three songs that I can knock out of the park and just watch him kill himself. Yeah, because that's what he'll do. Freak out. Wow. And and it's and it's sad. His father, who I know, did not steal his money, any of that bullshit. His father's a hell of a singer. <laughs> I we there was a club in LA called Club Hollywood, right on Hollywood Boulevard. It's where the Jimmy Kimmel show is now. 
Okay. Same building. And we were, they were having like a, a talent night, whatever. And Bob had met the owner of the club and I knew the guy and whatever. And Bob said, Hey, I can bring a couple guys and we can do a couple of numbers. Sure. Okay. And I had never heard Bob sing before. He opened up his mouth and I was like, this guy can sing. This is great. You know, he did Toto. He did Kansas. I'm like, this is great stuff. You know, the song Toe the Line. Mm -hmm. Anybody know the song Toe the Line? You'd know it if you heard it. Toto's song. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Fact, you know, and he did other songs. Okay, great. Well, then Corey sang. <laughs> and then Corey sang. <laughs> oh, God. The owner of the club was like literally scratching the walls. I mean, he was just like, holy shit, what did I do? You know. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, but, shout out to Judy Haim. Um, much positive thoughts out, out to her. Hopefully, um, she can get some type of closure uh, and, and, you know, change something. Well, Feldman, Feldman is starting to bury himself because people are starting to talk. The girls are starting to come forward and say what's been going on, what's been happening, what did happen. You know, drugs and other things that went down and non-payment and all kinds of crazy shenanigans. Oh, stuff yeah. you just don't do. So, you know, he's going to bury himself. He's buried himself at this point, you yeah. know. Well, um, on yeah. to a, 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 a better topic, I guess, back to the comedy stuff. Do you follow any young comedians in the business? No, unfortunately. No? no? Do you have plans of maybe going and doing more comedy stuff? Someday. Someday. Mm. Wow. I, I got to be honest. I think that uh, you had an amazing uh, uh, stories to tell, and and I'm glad that you came on the show, man. I'm really glad. Yeah, that this, I yeah this was you know this was fun. You know, I just you know life is life is like a box of chocolates. There is no question, you know. And I've been very fortunate to have met a lot of people and done a lot of great things. And uh, you know, truly, my life has been blessed, and I understand it. And I knock on wood and say thank you. You know, not everybody is me. Not everybody's had a lot of great experiences. Maybe they had one and they had seven bad ones, you know. In in all of my time in Hollywood, I never had a bad experience, you know, a real bad experience. I had semi-bad experience about a year ago, but I took care of that. And that was the end of it. I can handle my own stuff now. Mm -hmm. um, but growing up as a kid, you know, I I just had a lot of fun. You know, awesome. I really did. And, and, and I had a lot of good people that I worked with, supportive people, good people. Thoughtful people. I mean, even Gleason, who didn't want to work with kids and animals, he thought I was funny because I did Buford T. Justice and he loved it. He thought it was a riot. And I did the honeymooners for him and we would just stick and go back and forth and have fun. So, you know, my experiences, most all have been pretty damn good in this wacky life that we live in. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> right now. That's for sure. But uh, can't be too crazy because we got you on the show and we appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. Do you have any uh, before we let you go? Do you have anything you're working on that you want to plug to our audience and people should be looking on the lookout for? Uh, at this moment, you know, when I come on later when something is done or finished or whatever, you know, I got a book that's was supposed to be out this year, but due to COVID and whatever, it's going to get pushed back to 2021, and you know, a couple of other small little projects that I'm working on, and we'll have to see, you know, what you happens with those back. things. Yeah, we'd love to have you back, man. Definitely when the book comes or any anytime you want to come back on, we would be honored. Yeah. No, I can uh, I can give some more tips to Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I will take them. <laughs> I get the update on the on, on if the tips worked or not, you know. 
For sure. The source remember, source. remember, Damon. Mm-hmm. Jewish waist up, Schwarz up waist down. <laughs> Schwartz waist down. Schwartz waist down. Will do. Jewish up, Schwartz down. Got it. <laughs> Thanks, Alaska. <laughs> hey, listen, everybody be safe. You go out, wear a mask, do the nonsense and whatever. Just be safe. Be healthy. Don't do any stupid crap, you know. I'm 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 just a sensible person and I just try and tell other people to be sensible, logical, you know, care for everybody, you know. I give everybody respect until they disrespect me and then the game is over. Amen. So, you know, and I'm and I hope everybody's the same way. You know, be loving, be caring, be kind, you know, and, you know, we got to get through this craziness we're in right now. So, the better person that you are is better for the world. You know? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, Thanks thank you very much, and we appreciate it. And uh, keep in touch. Yeah. Call thank me anytime. You. Send me an email. I'll come on. We talk about more about wrestling or movies Absolutely. or TV ah, or whatever the I'm hell you want. I'm down for that anytime. Uh, we are down. <laughs> yes, sir. I got you covered for sure. <laughs> thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cream of the crop. It rises to the top, oh, right? Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, these, you know. You think you know the answer is I change the question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. I got to play yeah, Roddy's I got, to play, I got to play Roddy's kid one night in a Piper's pit. Oh so, Ooh, in the, yeah. I'm telling you, I got we could just go on stories and have a blast. I'll tell you all about stuff next time. Sounds um, good. All right. Sure. We look forward to it. We have to get that on the books. Yes, you sir. got it. Be well, Thanks. guys. Take care. You too. Take care. Take care. Thanks Thank again. You. Have a good night. All right. Do I just log out? Yep, go ahead and log out. <laughs> yep. You guys going to keep going? Yep. You guys think you got I shit to talk about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> comic book time. Well, wait. Hey, Damon, you're in Arizona, right? Yeah. I'm in Arizona. So is, it, is it 10 there or 11 there? It is 10. 10 or 7. It's Friday, dude. Yeah. Go find a chick. What are you doing? <laughs> We're in lockdown. <laughs> we, we got locked back down. Everything's closed. Yeah. Arizona's locked back down again? Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much bars, gyms, all that. Flagstaff? Yeah. Yep, everywhere in the Yosemite? state. Yosemite? Oh, Yosemite's here. Yeah, <laughs> it's a oh all God. over for the end of the month at least. Then I'll reevaluate. Uh, <sighs> I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I I'm in California. This sucks. Oh, I thought yeah. maybe one of you guys are going to go out and try and, you know, do something, but. <laughs> Uh, Nothing right now. I just got the show, and that's my Friday night. That's <laughs> a good one. Uh, <laughs> go to YouTube and watch some old match with superstar Billy Graham or some shit. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> All right. Peace <laughs> out, guys. Take care. Thank Take you. Care. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Man, what an interview, huh? That was one. one. Yeah, that, that was freaking my crazy. Are you glad, are you glad you got to be a part of that, uh, Travis? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I knew it was gonna be a uh, fun time, and that was great. You look like you're just soaking it all in. That was so cool, man. Yeah, I love, I love this people who have could tell stories from so many different, um, you know, areas of entertainment or uh, absolute geek geekdom, right? Yeah, yeah. So Damon, yeah, <laughs> yes, David. No matter how oh, many I, times we we help. said your name, it said Corbin. It's Damon. You are now Damon. Damon. I don't. That's the rule. You have been. Knew, you have been knighted as Damon 
Thanks to Scotty Schwartz. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I'm, I'm grateful. No, Man. that was, that was fun. What a great interview. I'm, I'm in, telling you right now, Corbin, just so it doesn't come out of left. I'm clipping the shit out of you asking dating advice from him. <laughs> and Got the fact you. that you told him about your speed dating story. <laughs> Classic. I'm sorry. Listen, when you're desperate, get all the help you can get. I was shocked. <laughs> this is an interview for the books. I, I, I think next, week, next week we have a psychic coming on. You need to ask about your love life. <laughs> Oh, I'm almost scared to do that. Oh, no. We have a psychic coming on next week. You got to ask about your love light. I might, though. Okay. Did you Kyle? Where'd Kyle go? Kyle had a work emergency. You put it in oh, the chat. No. Corbin, got, Corbin got so many handsome compliments. I he did. Like, you really boosted your ego up. Yeah. He maybe did. maybe you need so to go out and start saying that your name is Damon. You think that'll change it? Yeah. It might. I mean, it was really you almost could be a Damon. You could be a Damon. I was I was this close to being dominant. You, you go out to the bar. Way. You go out to the bar. All right, and you you use that joke. And you know who you say. You know who gave me that joke? Short. Flick from a Christmas story. Scotty Short. Yeah, we're best friends. He calls me Damon. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're so dark. tight. He's giving me a nickname, and it's Damon. Dude, yeah, he's 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 yeah. That was my favorite so far of the interviews for sure. And that you're gonna interview. be daminating that ass at the end of the night. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie though, my name has been Butch. I just at my job alone. I've been Kobe, I've been Colson, Kobe, I've been Cobra. Yeah, Cobra is the fun one. And I keep saying it's Corbin. Hey, Cobra, come over here. And it's Cobra. That's like I'm used to my name getting mixed up. I don't know how it's Damon, but it just now. happened. Never had Damon before, but hey, there's one for the books. And if we're to be flick, you know, I'll take it. Damon is my name now. I don't, I don't make the rules. That was good stuff. That was, that was something else. That was fun. But all right. So to cure your blue balls, everyone's blue balls in the chat, I'm going to go ahead and finish the uh, the New Mutants trailer for everyone. Oh, sick. Actually, I think it just started the trailer part, too, so we're good. So, yeah. So we'll restart the New Mutants trailer here. Okay. That was fire. I hope that was fire. I've killed someone. If you weren't here, you'd be in prison, or worse. And your mutants are dangerous. We know. This place takes your greatest fear. It makes you live through it. Ooh, scary. doing gotta get better someday even there let's play a game fire <laughs> yeah Woo! It's going to be fantastic. That is Dude. amazing. Yes. That was sick. I, I I watched that. I've watched that again and again. Wow. Michael, coming for me? 
Yeah, the demon bear shit was badass. Magic dropping fucking bombs with that sword was awesome. Yeah, I'm ready for this. Like, bring it. That yeah. I mean, it's a shame that it's ending this franchise because I feel like there's so much momentum with these characters just off the trailer and stuff and the buildup that I almost am anticipating the future adventures of this even without seeing this first movie, but we already know it's a wrap. You know what I mean? It's crazy to think about that. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Disney gets profit and they decide to move forward with it as a franchise um, or what they decide to do. I'm glad. I'm so glad that it's keeping that horror aspect. Like the only thing I'm worried about is it was supposed to be R rated, wasn't it? And now it's getting a PG 13 rating. I think it's always supposed to be PG 13. Because I, th- I thought I heard it was supposed to be R, but I could be wrong. It's been known to happen a lot. But I can't wait. I think it looks amazing. So I'm still. Yeah. I can't. It's 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 something else, man. It is something else. So you saw it, Travis? I didn't see the end of it. I didn't see the end of it. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about New Mutants. I'm gonna I'm gonna to go I'm to go to. Uh, yeah, I was really holding it during that that interview. We're a long show for his for his little bladder. Yeah, it's storming quite. You can see how dark it's getting in the middle of the day here. Yeah, it's raining still on our end. No, just plus that new, new mutants. The mutants trailer is scary. I got scared, guys. I had to leave. <laughs> you had to go get your security blankie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. But it's it's got about a. They're saying it's going to have a ninety-eight minute runtime. That's cool. And that that's so solid. I like that. That's painfully short, it feels like, but I think that yeah. makes even more It's better. It's better, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Less director flop. said that the original cut was 20 minutes longer than that, but they, with all the delays, they've had time to go back and refine and recut the movie, and so they've, you know, recut it, and a lot of that is going to be added to the DVD set or the Blu-ray set um, as extra scenes, deleted scenes and commentary and and things like that. And they said in their panel yesterday that they were actually getting ready to go in the studio to do um, director voiceovers and commentary tracks for the the DVD when COVID hit. So those are probably going to be coming too. Sounds like a lot of content around that movie. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest other big things right now is DC Universe. It's pretty much on life support. Oh my god. Um, they... And they ended your ability to get a um, a year subscription. Um, so pretty much, the end of the year, I think it's going to be gone. What are they, are they going to keep it for comics? Who knows? Are they going to turn it into like a Marvel Limited type thing? Who knows? But D- DC Universe is on life support. Everything seems to be going to either CW or. Um, HBO Max, which was smart on CW's part because they're going to reshow, yeah. they're going to reshow um, Swamp Thing in a time where their fall lineups of the Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, those aren't going to make the air because they're not filming because of COVID. So. Yeah, DC Universe has just got just two, just a, a, a split hair ahead of the jump, and that was to sometimes, oftentimes that's your benefit, getting there first or, or getting there early, but not to, not when not once after they launched, everyone started packaging all their content under the larger studios, and so they were just a, their foresight was just a little 
you know, a little head. And unfortunately, uh, being first didn't work out well for them when everyone is now with all the streaming services, you have to really decide where your pennies are going to go. And so people are looking at at the services that package the most stuff. And, you know, unless you're a super diehard DC fan and you just want it all easy access, um, and unfortunately, that's not going to work. I would have liked for that to work. I would have liked for for Marvel and, and DC. I would have liked to have seen enough interest in that to keep something like that alive. Because how great would it be to see, you know, even people like Image doing stuff where they're curating books and and media uh, on on things. But it doesn't look like that's where it's going to go. Well, see, that's, that's where my thought process went. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't super. It took me a while to get behind the DC Universe train. When I did, I saw the value in it, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't like the fact that it was an emphasis on like the animated series and and movies and stuff and less on the books. Then they started adding and making the books more of a priority. I feel like DC Universe should have went the way of Marvel Limited, which has been successful, has continued to be successful. They've been independent. There was no crossover between them and all the content from Marvel on Disney+. Plus. If you want the comics, you want to read the comics, you go to Marvel Limited. I feel like DC Universe should do the same thing. Take all off the movies, the TV series, put them on HBO Max, fine. You want the comics, put it on DC Universe. Because then for me, it makes it quite simple. I have Marvel Unlimited, I have DC Universe, my comic subscriptions. I could care less about the shows and movies. I have Batman the Animated Series right here. You know, I have the movies that I want right there. It's not a, a priority for me to watch on demand. But those books, being able to read the rich backlog of, of, of books from DC history, I don't have the money or the availability to kind of grab all that stuff. So to have that, like Marvel Unlimited, is great value in there. I just feel like DC got way too ambitious in trying to do all of this. And, of course, the inevitable hike back, you know, giving off the different things. I just don't want them to go, oh, this was a wash. Now we're going to scrap it all. When Marvel Unlimited yeah. is still very successful, it's not like Marvel Unlimited is fa- flailing around. They could go and go, well, that's not working as a model, so we can't do that either. It's working. And, and there's going to be I, I actually want them to go even farther. I think there's something in this, kind of what Marvel Unlimited is doing. I, I didn't do the DC Universe, but if I don't think any of the, the the major ones have done it right in a sense that not just have a place where you curate all your content from different media sources like books and television, but also create more content, like get people together, do like Image could do a, a site and where you have featured books and then you can do new interviews with the creative teams and put those out. You could get you could get comic book podcast veterans like comicexposure.com who do book reviews to come get, get that there. shameless plug in there, buddy. Get it's in there. Be, it's gotta be in there. But like really create new stuff around very niche ideas. Like sub I, like image puts it up there and have like a Southern Bastards month where they're, they're curating things that go along with the idea of Southern Bastards and they're doing uh, new interviews with creative teams and, and having other people can speak on those things. I think that would be great. I agree. And you know, it's funny, uh, DC Universe did some, and they did this later on, um, at least last month when I had it. I've been doing DC Universe on a month subscription for like once mm-hmm. I realized that this might be going under. Um, but they were doing at the end of every animated series or whatever episode, in the credits, you know, before it goes to the next one, it would display the corresponding comic that it either drew inspiration from or the Elvis. That's great. That was awesome. I read a lot of books just by proxy of that. I remember watching uh, Justice League Unlimited. Um, it was Superman versus Shazam. And I knew that the comic that was based off was uh, Mark Waid's Kingdom Come. 
And sure enough, it was. But there was other ones yeah. that were really interesting. And then Marvel Unlimited has been really great with that, just curating and putting together different reading lists and different subscriptions. You know, um, they did one last month called um, Marvel Hero <laughs> X vs. The Marvel Universe. And they had every story of the Punisher versus the Marvel Universe, Deadpool, you know, Wolverine, and reading the different tones and everything. It was... What's going on? With I think Brian is twisted because he's trying crushing. to squish his brother's head in the back. I, I saw it in the corner, but I was with my thoughts. Yeah, he, he pushed it away though. Did you see him push it away? <laughs> I, I missed that. that. Like, watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. One. I like that. But yeah, like, like if they, I, I'm right there with you, man. If they, if they take more of that and utilize it to not just have the books available, that's a great find for me just to go mining, but also to get out these different reading lists and displays and, like you were saying, this interactions with creative teams and stuff to renew that energy, to bring back that type of, okay, you have the stories, you know why they're iconic, let's see the characters who made it. I mean, instead of me just going on YouTube or, you know, telling them a flip side or something to get those interviews and perspectives later, you know? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could realize that dream of... Uh, you know, Marvel would do, uh, you want to know what happened to Cyclops? See issue number 137. And then you could click in the link and it would that, take you to that section of the book. How dope would that be? I'll be sick. And then just like I mean, that, that would take your history. So you can go yeah. back. when you're done. I'm with yeah. it. I'm with it. Totally. That'd be Amen. a great idea. Uh, do you guys talk about the craziness that's going on with the uh, IDW San Diego Comic-Con books right now? No, we no. haven't. So, actually, do you want to go over to the Hot 10? Because this will be part of it. Um, yeah, sure. Hot 10. Quick. Let me share my screen. So, the craziness is going on right now with these IDW books. So, IDW um, released, uh, you know, with the San Diego Comic-Con at home, you, all the exclusives they were going to do, you, they can't send. So, they, they opened it up for available online. And they sold out. Like I couldn't even get anything in my cart. I had I had the the books in my cart, but I couldn't get to buy them. I instantly got kicked out. And so, every they had like all books were like two hundred or three hundred or less copies, and they all sold out and like like that. But uh, uh, real quick, uh, let's do this. So, um, Golden Age is uh, Lars of Mars number ten. I instantly saw this and I thought Large Marge. Right? Yeah. Love I love this cover so much. This cover oh. is freaking awesome. Beautiful color just pops all over the place. It's got a robots. It's got a dude with fucking Captain America glutes and a plug in his back and fucking super hot chick with headlight covers. It's it's great, dude. I'm, I'm a big font guy, and I love that old sci-fi uh, font, too, on there. Yeah. This, an 8.5 sold this week for 4300 Sheesh. $44,300 for an 8.5 of this. So, uh, yeah, golden books are selling. Um, no, second honorable mention is... Oh, I think I'll use the, the, the checks you guys send me um, for doing the show to buy that, you know, because that's yeah. like m pennies from heaven. So Yeah, put it on the absolute geek fund. Look, look uh, if Scotty yeah. only gets a dollar something for a 24-hour run of a Christmas story... You're getting like pennies on the dollar for coming on this show, right? I gotta, I gotta you're, pay you're better you. off going. I gotta to, pay you guys. I gotta, I gotta pay you. <laughs> there's a podcast yeah. on Saturday night that you do a lot that you're better off asking for money since you're you're a more regular on there. They they're they're probably gonna generate more revenue for you. I'm gonna ex I'll extort them. About about episode your sixth appearance is when you should start asking for money, and I don't think you've you've done six on here yet. 
Should I should I go to their their uh, Scotty Schwartz uh, episode and see if he remembers? Contrast <laughs> <laughs> calling me Damon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. You should. Uh, you should always reference that. This is um, a nine point eight of this sold for nine hundred dollars plus. Uh, this is Thor: God of Thunder two, first appearance of God Butcher, Gore the God Killer or whatever. Uh, beautiful cover, Daniel Kuna cover, just sold for a ridiculous amount. So that's why it's on here. All the here covers to that run were awesome. Yeah, yeah, they were gorgeous. I love that Jason Aaron run. Here you go, Matt. Uh, Batman number eighty nine. This was selling in the fifty to sixty dollar range last week, raw, and is now selling above ninety dollars raw. Why? Because of fucking punchline, man. Okay. Her lips are in this episode. Are in this fucking. Is that? Punch. Are you serious? It's because her lips are in the book. So. Wow. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So right. nine point eight are. Well, we should, we should get Corbin on here. He's the kissing expert. He can tell us what those <laughs> those lips are like. Can you believe that he said he needed to find a kissing coach? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I can believe that. Oh. Fuck yeah. Girls love chick dudes that can kiss good, period. A dude that can kiss good can fucking write his own ticket. On the yeah. note of that, uh, Negan lives number nine. Look at that face. I love- <laughs> <laughs> he comes back with like, oh shit, what did I miss? <laughs> Negan lives number nine, the uh, red variant. This thing was like a myth and a legend until they started showing up on eBay. Um, I guess these were given to employees or something like that. Uh mm. Charlie How's that Adler. different than the normal cover? Because the normal cover is it's red. It's got the red red foil. Red oh, print. it's the red foil. So they're getting $1,500 a copy. So it's crazy. But, um, yeah, how rare are they? We really don't know. That's well, I know problem. Kirkman teased it on his, his Facebook. So he was showing all – or uh, Twitter. He was showing all the new books that came out that week. And he's like, oh, Negan lives. And he's like, here's the normal cover, the gold, the silver. And then it went to that one. He goes, oh, this one doesn't exist. And he – slipped it under the pile he said ignore that one because it doesn't exist it's cool so. i like shit like that good good for uh kirkman on doing something like that he's having fun and you know i like it uh number eight year zero number one this just came out of nowhere um virtually virtually zero sales for a couple of months after release then a 30 dollars sale two weeks ago and then this week 40 to 50 dollars sales uh it's been optioned there's a book that was put out almost like six months before this, I think, that had the whole issue in it, uh, put out by Upshot. It was like an Upshot thing, but the whole issue is in it. So it's going to be weird to see what happens with this book. This is the book that everybody's going crazy about this week. Um, absolutely bonkers what people are talking about, how the excitement that this is creating. Um Basically, this people are saying that this is the first appearance of Batman Beyond in continuity. It used to be the annual from this run, number four, which has that gorgeous art germ cover. But, um, you know, a lot of spec, you know, has in, stuff has been done on this and they figured out that it is Batman Beyond. Tim, supposedly they went and asked at WonderCon if this is Tim Drake in this or if it's Terry, Terry McGinnis. And they said it was supposed to be Terry McGinnis, but they accidentally wrote Tim, so it really is Terry. So now people are saying it's weird. But this book is sell- this had a ninety dollars sale. There's thousands wow. of these copies out there, wow. and it- this book is selling from twenty to fifty dollars. There was a ninety dollars sale of this on Monday. I'm gonna pat wow. myself on the back real quick because you can ask Corbin when we were doing Spinnerack. I was telling people 
about that year zero to look at that book and to buy yeah. as many copies as they could because that book was going to hit. So I'm going to pat myself. How on many back issues? How many issues is years? How many issues is year year Three. zero into now? Three. Okay. And it's only like so four or five miniseries of the year zero. No, of this. Oh, not of that. No. No. Well, it's selling, and that's crazy. So, uh, I love this run, though. I mean, I have a couple copies just because I buy it. I, I this is one of my favorite all time runs. Um, but here's another great, great book that there's thousands of out there that's selling crazy, and that's New Avengers number seven. Um, people are going crazy for this. Uh, right now because of the Illuminati spec. Supposedly they're making a movie or I mean a TV show based on the Illuminati and uh, this book was a $5 book a week ago now it's selling for 30 plus and you can find this book in a lot of bins out there. Great storyline. I love the Sentry story on this. I was reading this when it was coming out. This was the best comic being put out at that time. Everybody was reading it. There's tons of them. Now we get into the IDW stuff. Here's one of the books that... Um, Peach Momoko. So this is Sleeping Beauties number one, Peach Momoko, San Diego Comic-Con variant from IDW. This was available today on their site, or yesterday on their site for like 10 bucks. Uh, it's selling for $100 plus. It's probably going to be three, 400 in the next couple of days. Um, there's only 200 of them. That's ridiculously low. And this is a gorgeous Peach Momoko, Peach Momoko cover. I'm not a fan of most Peach Momoko covers. I think that she does her superhero characters like crayon drawings. But when she's doing her traditional style art, she is the best in the business. And you'll see why in our number one book. So this is number five. Uh, beautiful cover. Uh, number four, the Disney Comics and Stories, number 13, Gabrielle Del Otto variant. That's cool. This is a Disney book. That's it. Do you know how many copies of this book are available? 375. 666. <laughs> how did Disney sign off on that? Whoa, I don't like that. Bro. That's kind of creepy, right? I don't like it's that Disney. at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. So the, it's, these books were so hard to get. People don't even know really how you got them. They're selling in the 200-plus range. Um, there's a black and white variant that sells for even more. Gorgeous cover, but 666 copies on a Disney that book. Weird as hell. Damn. Yeah. yeah, weird, man. Um, this is a cool one. Here you go, guys. How about this? Number three this week, Teen Titans, number 12, back on the list. It was on the list last week, 9.8 last week at Sword, $600. Yeah. Guess what they're selling for now? Seven fifty. Nine point eight. They're selling for seven fifty. They're selling for six hundred last week. Uh, these are just keep going up. Look how much the B cover is going for. This is the crazy thing. The B cover is going for about half the price. Why? That's crazy. The same book. Problem is, is that Batman Who Laughs is on the A cover. He's not on the B cover. Also. Um, there's a lot of books in that Dark Knight's Metal, first Dark Knight Metal run. All the all the tie-ins and stuff are selling for good money right now. So, you know, Batman Who Laughs is, is a character that people love, and it's going to keep going up. Here's craziness again. IDW. All right. This book, San Diego Comic-Con variant for My Little Pony Transformers crossover number one out of 285. Transformers Friendships in Disguise is the, the name of it. I this love that the name. Weirdest crossover ever. Isn't it? It's fucking great. I love it. $200 instantly. $200 plus. This was a $10 book. It's selling for $200 plus. IDW stuff is 
like the, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives are just crazy right now. And supposedly the debacle that happened over at IDW with people not getting their books that they wanted cost their CEO their, his job. That's Ooh. what we're hearing. We're not sure. We're hearing that. Um, but here's the book that I pray somebody out there will contact me and say, hey, Brian, I've got one, an extra one of these, and I'll hook you up, man. Cost. Just send me the $15 it costs to pay for it because this is the most beautiful cover you're going to see in years. Oh, Doggy Jimbo, number 10, Peach Momoko, San Diego Comic-Con variant, out of 200. This book is gorgeous. I can't believe that's a Peach Momoko cover. When I first saw it, I said, that, no way that's a Peach Momoko cover. No way. doesn't even look at all. Go look at her art on her, on her webpage. Her traditional Japanese stuff is beyond gorgeous. And here she just proved what a great artist she is. This is one of the most gorgeous covers I've ever seen. This is a four to 500 books right now. Four to five hundred dollar book right now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Four to five hundred dollars. You can't find this book for less than five hundred dollars. It was a ten dollar book <laughs> two days ago. Wow. So, um, one of the best pieces of work I've seen from her, to be honest with you. The, it, this and in the this in the turtle book are the two are her two best covers by far. So I, I just uh, I love it, and you know the IDW stuff there. So if you guys go to the IDW page. I'll show you this. Um, these were the books that were available on the IDW page. Oh, of you know, you know why? Because it's a pre-order. The book well, hasn't no, even come out yet. No, they've came out. Because everything, everything I'm looking at says it's a pre-order. On eBay, they're a pre-order. These are live. These are being shipped to people right now. They're in hand. Some people have them in hand. So here's your exclusives that were available on uh, the IDW page, and you can see all the books that sold out. These are all the books. These sold out immediately. Here's the, here's the uh, Transformers one. It was $10. Here's the first Peach Momoko. Here's this, the Snake Eyes, Badass Snake Eyes one. This Turtles one coming up is sick. This one right here. There is a Turtles book right now that is still pre-order that's selling for five to 600. And I'm not sure which one of that is. It's, I don't know if it's one of these, but this book right here was a $10 book. It's selling for $200. Here's the Yusagi Ujimbo book. It, I mean, it's crazy. These books went just nuclear. And there's very low cop, cop amount of copies. 200, 300 copies is very little. Um, and, and here's the problem. Like some of these books, like this Yusagi Ujimbo book mm -hmm. is going to go in people's collection. And that's it. Game over. It's a wrap. Beautiful, man. Actually, wow. I uh it just makes me angry every time I see it that I don't own one. So this might be one of those ones that I go and drop five bills on or something like that. Or it's one of the ones that I trade this guy for that I picked up for fifty dollars last week and just had a sale of five hundred. Oh look at you flipping. So look at you flipping maybe I sell this and get a and get a Usagi Ojimbo. So we'll see. There you go. Dog out. Make moves. Make moves. Making million dollar moves. Big, big moves. Uh, Corbin, you had something that you wanted to hit on this week with Black Panther? Oh, yeah. Let me pull my. I just looked this up earlier and I was impressed by what was being shared about the Black Panther being basically the most dangerous character, which, I mean, listen, I I'm just going to share. I knew this, but apparently. Let me get let me get the information right here. Corbin, Corbin knew it. Everyone. 
<laughs> Stop. Listen. I'm just saying. All right, one second, because I did not realize we were going straight to that. <laughs> do, 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 do. That's what I'm transition, saying. No? Terrible um, transition. Do you want me to come back yeah. to you? Yeah, give me a second. Oh, <laughs> already got it. Um, so this was in um, Avengers Empire. Um, I guess the series are doing number three or six right now. And it was basically saying that, in, in the preview at least, that the Black Panther is now w- almost one of the swing pieces in terms of being dangerous in his abilities. And we saw some of this being referenced in, well, this is a few weeks ago in the Spinner Rack, but we were reviewing um, Avengers Flip. What was the number? I have the latest one right here, so give me a second. Um, ah, 33. Just how, um, from not only from a, a mind standpoint he is, or, or just strength, but being a, a, a powerful piece or a powerful pawn in this potential war that was brewing. In this Empire storyline that's being put out, this same character analysis of the Black Panther is being established, but really making him kind of feel like he's one of the big guns. And that was something I was like, oh, that's interesting, because, again, this was referenced with the Moon Knight story with the Black Panther, where he's like, hey, I need you, you know, we could do this, we could square this up right now, or you can come with me, but you're, you're going to be a piece in what I'm trying to do. And so much of it is still shrouded in mystery as far as the story, so, I'm not, and I wouldn't reveal it anyway, you have to read the book. But the point being, I like the fact that they're establishing Black Panther for more than just He's, they're not putting him in, in the role. I don't want to negatively put Captain Marvel in this way, but saying, oh, Captain Marvel's the most powerful. Put her in here. She's the most powerful here. Throw her in here. But they're building up his importance in different ways. And I like that they're doing that, yet yeah, in, in storylines that haven't been fully fleshed out. And so that was something in the new Empire story. I can't wait to really dig into and read. That was something I ran today, and I was like, let me make a note of that. But um, I'm looking forward to talking about next week, having read it to see exactly how he ties into this. And since we're mentioning this, how he ties into the uh, Avengers uh, 34. So yeah, that was my that I, th- I think uh, in the past, when they when they try to make a character more powerful, they'll just kind of evolve their their powers, right? You see this with you saw this a lot with Scarlet Witch. You know, Scarlet Witch. You know, from her inception to the character today is this much more power level and much more significant force. Do you think with the Black Panther, they're going to try to do that with bringing in, oh, you didn't know this, but he could actually do this? Or do you think that they're just trying to um, heighten, uh, you think they're trying to build him up through uh, his position and not necessarily his capabilities within the uh, Marvel Universe? Does that make sense? I I don't know. Yeah, it does. I know what you mean. I'm hoping that it's a mix of of the two. I don't want it to be like, oh, you didn't know this character? Because for those who have read it and, and understood um, the character, like, that's, that's not it's basically a slap in the face in terms of shoehorning different yeah. power sets. At the same time, um, in general, you have, for Black Panther, a lot of Jack Kirby's um, work. You have uh, Don McGregor's um, Panther's Rage storyline. You have Christopher Priest's great work on the Black Panther and the Marvel Knights run. There's not a whole lot aside from that. I mean, he's had plenty of series. We'll talk about signature storylines that um, kind of typify the character. You have those through mm-hmm. Epic Panthers, Rage, Jack Kirby, and then, um, like I said, Christopher Priest run. So there is still plenty of room to work within that to kind of flesh out certain things. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of delved into a suit. You have the variations there, his power set, his family, stuff like that. You can throw a few more in there. I don't want it to be shoehorned and and like your reference, mm-hmm. because I was totally remaking the character. Because for people who yeah. read that, that's come on. But 
I do yeah. like the fact that you could go with the Black Panther that way and maybe set a precedent for other characters who are just as important in the Avengers lineups over the years, but have, haven't had that much shine that can get worked and, and, and fully fleshed out to kind of understand, you know, maybe some power sets we've been sleeping on or some skills or some right. family tensions that those strands will tie into a future story. You know, I like that they're doing the Black Panther. I'm, I'm just excited they do it more, but right. I am grateful that they haven't done it, like you said, and just dumped all that on because comic, they're very quick. Comic house very yeah. quick. Yeah, like Iceman. Remember Iceman was just to get throw snowballs, and now he yeah. can, like, you know, do all stuff. Space with his ice power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now he's an Omega-level mutant. Exactly. But just so, I mean, keeping in kind of with the comic books and the hot Ted, just so everyone realizes, when Brian says there's books out there in the wild, you can still get them. You can still get them. This book here was on the hot 10 last week. This is the Faithless Recall slash Destroy This Cover polybag um issue because i'm not gonna show the back of it but it was misprinted where they showed a little bit of sodomy on on the back instead of on the the protected cover so you can subscribe to the patreon to see the back no you know i got these in the wild cover price so you can when he says those books are out there they're out there you just got to look for them yep and now you got what you got to do is just put them up for sale buddy yep um but Corbin, did you did you read uh, the new issue of Batman? Yo, I just went to my comic shops today. Uh, okay, like I was slacking. I, I I just picked up everything. I'm gonna read it as soon as I get off. So 95 Detective Comics 1024, Batman Beyond 45, Venom Beyond, Avenger 34. Like I have it all right here. I can't wait to dig into it. But no, but spoil. I mean, just just let me know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm still gonna read it. I did. It's pretty much just the the kickoff to the Joker War. There's not a anything super impactful. Anything I'm like, ooh, I can't wait. Or I thought it would just be a pretty generic opening to begin with. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a it was kind of a whatever book to me. Um, there's a lot of stuff in it. I don't want to. I don't want to. What I think the book of the week though, mm-hmm. Batgirl. I, oh, I, oh, okay. This issue of Batgirl, Batgirl 47. Yeah, brings back the Killing Joke into continuity. And her and Joker have a very interesting showdown where she, Barbara Gordon was very ready for the Joker this time. Hell so. Back in the continuity. Yep. Wow. That right now. I don't even know how I feel about that one. That is a... Wow. That was a good book this week. And also, you got your Spider-Man free comic book day. First appearance slash not really first appearance of virus <laughs> so you know just for those who don't understand yeah for those who don't understand up my comic shop hooked me up super cool wizard with my date of birth on it oh so that's cool good to read stuff I wouldn't know but it's a it's a price guide so it's added to the collection that I so graciously was supplied by Brian I have a nice little wizard collection here I'm, I'm feeling very confident I'm picking up more and more so that was sick but no I'm digging into my books like as soon as we press stop on this one <laughs> but yeah it's, it's just the start of the joker war and it's interesting seeing that you know um batman it, you know joker's kind of got the batman the better of batman right now is he's got batman's uh billions he owns mm-hmm. the batman's billions joker's millions and you get a shot of the bat suit everyone's going crazy for 
oh, I saw that. I glanced at that and I was like, yo, I like that. So I'm sure this book will probably be on the hot 10 at some point for that bat suit. And also uh, Batman, uh, Batman 95, 95, the one that just came out. And also, it's got no. <laughs> you got someone uh, punchline actually gets the better of Batman. I, I gotta check this out. I, I was looking at some of this, and I was like, "What?" But okay, real quick though. I mean, Travis, are you reading it, Matt? I know you're reading it, Brian. Are you reading it? The Batman. No, the I, I'm just gonna start reading it now. What's that Batgirl issue? Uh, it is Batgirl 47. Hell yeah, I'm gonna Are you that. really encouraged by this one so far, though, Matt? Like the storyline? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. Like I said, it's a, it's an interesting start. It kind of leaves on a giant cliffhanger, but it, we when we were doing Spinner Act, we talked about the the we, you know me and you had a discussion about punchline and how she just kind of showed up, and you were like, "I'm kind of over the punchline thing. I don't think she deserves all the hype she's getting," but. And I yeah. said, wait, because we don't know her backstory. We don't know everything about her yet. And she's got some she's got some skills because she takes out Bruce and she actually poisons him to and gets him with something he wasn't ready for and her mixture of the toxin because she takes the Joker toxin and mixes it with the fear toxin and a little bit of the Bane's venom to make her own specific mixture that she poisons Bruce with and he he struggles with it. And the cool thing is, is like Joker is going to use all his toys because at the very end of the book, he's got a bat plane ready to go and he's Jokerized it. So, yo, that's fire. All right. All right. I I, I just want Tinian to be as really ambitious on this project. I know he's not going to be a a full time writer on this, but like, if this is going to be the defended Batman Joker showdown, like, I want to be grabbed and, and gone that way. You know what I mean? I've had some apprehension. I was a little encouraged. I'm not going to lie to you, but I had some apprehension over it. But if this is going to be the one to end all battles between those two, like, I need stuff to pop off and continue. And, like, grab my see my pants and just drag me along from there. That visual was weird, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Is is uh, Barbara Gordon still trying? Still hooking up with um, Dick? Or No. Who's, who's that ter- person she's on the phone with? <laughs> she probably ain't reading it right now. <laughs> oh, Jason, who's Jason? That I don't know because I haven't been reading the. I haven't been reading Batgirl. I just got it because it's part of the Joker War crossover. So I'm collecting all the, the Joker War stuff and tie-ins because I'm a Joker head. He's he's my favorite villain. So I'm collecting all the tie-ins for me. But um, he uh, yeah, it's their conversation is good and and kind of the. The whole book is good. I've not yet read Detective and how that ties into it. Um, but that's kind of been that was where my pickups this week. It was a very Batman week. But, Those are the best kind. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into this. So be my that'll, that'll be a way to to save a good Friday night. There you go. A good Friday. Night. I just don't like the way that they make the Joker look. The art in that book is kind of wonky, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little weird. A little weird, but whatever. Um, yeah, crazy. Uh, did you guys pick up any uh, any other goodies? Those were my Wookiees cookies for this week. <laughs> Aside from that, uh, I picked up another Retro Wizard. Uh, 
don't really know which one this is, but apparently DC Zero Hour was still a new thing. So, boom. Um, and then, ooh. See, why are you telling me that? I pull out my little things, and you come with the big money stuff, right? I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. came from Turkey. Whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's it's the not, Turkish variant? This is the Turkish variant. It's the virgin variant from uh, Parallel Universe in Turkey. They're called Ter... I don't even know how to say that. Parallel Everin? Everin? Everlin? Everlin? Everlin. I said it. Everlin. That means Parallel Universe in Turkish. And uh, these guys are awesome. They're they're sending me some more books, so I'll update you guys in a week or two. Hmm. Right, look that. Yeah. Right, check that out. It looks like Brian has a a story he wants to talk about that could... uh, could (sighs) Do you guys and hear with the the odd news? Mm. Oh, it's the intro for that. Tonight, the Sixth World Prime Time Special. People just like you, only more pathetic. It's a bit nutty. You're crazy. You're crazy. Shout out to the New York Times. The New York Times finally dropped another uh, UFO expose, and this time it got crazy. They have uh, uh, Senator Harry Reid on record as saying they have materials and parts from alien craft and alien beings on record, and people aren't freaking about it, freaking out about it. That's how you know we live in crazy times when they say we not only do we have that aliens are real and UFOs are real, we have stuff from them, and people aren't freaking out about it. I'm shaking just thinking about that. Jesus. If if you're gonna if you're gonna say it in official capacity, why can't you show it in official capacity? That's what's coming. It's coming. Okay. It's coming. So um, basically. When the uh, New York Times got tipped about ATIP, the, the secret Pentagon group is called ATIP, uh, uh, Aerial Threat Something Phenomenon Group, um, they were also told that the same group had a basically like a special base where they sent all these parts and pieces and ships and stuff that were from these alien places and the crazy thing that they didn't talk about in the new york times article that i happen to know um because i'm just fucking that's you're who woke. i am you're woke. Um, those pieces have a weird effect supposedly on humans and when you get around pieces from uh these beings it takes a dark turn in your psyche and things start happening bad in your life. And that is one of the things that, believe it or not, Tom DeLonge has come out and said uh, for a long time. And the group that uh, basically broke this story is To The Stars Academy, which is run by Tom DeLonge. So all those people out there that thought Tom DeLonge was coked up out of his mind talking a bunch of crazy shit on Joe Rogan, he was coked up, but he was not talking crazy shit. Um, so just do you, be have, on the pro- do you have proof that he's coked up? Oh man, dude, you can tell he was coked up. That dude was Adderall out, man. So, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's basically your life in 2020. Aliens are here. The government is talking about them and nobody gives a shit. 
Yeah. What if they're not aliens, man? What if it was like a like a past civilization that was so advanced they set things up into orbit and then they came back down again and we're just seeing like the the heights of a last civilization? You're hitting on something there, brother. Oh, yeah. Snap. If we find if we find if we find dick pics in that rubble, then we know we know what's going on. Close encounters were fun. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, we know <laughs> that turn from behind. We know there's ancient civilizations that have been, you know, on this planet hundreds of thousands of years before, you know, the the science will admit. Um, you look at places like Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. Um, you look at places like all the crazy monuments in, in South America and Central America. Um, there is no doubt that there's been other civilizations. And in my opinion, no doubt that there's been travelers from the stars to help those civilizations. Mm. We need to make a Brian's tinfoil Tommy. We need intro. a segment, yeah. We have to make him a yeah. tinfoil hat that he puts on when he starts talking about this. Hey, listen, I know how to separate the wheat from the shaft. Um, when you, you have people you know like the sixth man to walk on the moon talk about this type of stuff who has everything in the world to lose, his credibility is something that is. Is that Mark Kelly? No, because he sold himself to China, the dancing no, alien. No, six men to walk on the moon is <laughs> the, uh, the dancing is, astronaut. Yeah, it, it, he accidentally passed. Um, but he accidentally uh, passed. Yeah, he was supposed to live forever because he knew the aliens. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but oh, anyway, I'm sure, there's a story there. Yeah, I've never heard that story. Yeah. Next time, I'll have to look into that. Next time, baby. You got it. No, I'm not. Funny, I've never heard of the six man to walk on the moon. No, to be honest with you, I haven't either. But like next time, baby, I do want to hear the story. <laughs> next time, we got it. And Corbin's like, uh, we're on like three and a half hours. Like, Brian's next like, time, you next fuckers time. are making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, <but if> you <laughs> say anything right now. Next time, how was your Friday? Next time, baby. Next time, next time. Next time. Yeah, all you got, you guys wanted to go do the research. Just go look up Edgar Mitchell and UFOs, and it'll blow you away. All right. So, I believe Oof. it's it's hard to not like. You can't believe, you can't tell me with the billions of galaxies that are out there and all the different planets if life exists here life exists somewhere else it well, now whether or not they're traveling light years to come stick things in your booty hole that's a discussion for another day but you know amen it is what it is <laughs> yep stick things in your booty hole but anybody think anybody got anything else you want to talk about this week? I'm all out. Mr. Mr. Kyle, but uh yeah. I'm sure he'll be back in the next time. Yeah, he had a work emergency, so he had to take off, but <laughs> it's all good. Well guys, I wanna thank uh I wanna thank Travis first of all for joining us. Oh, it's always yeah, good to you. have Travis and, and have our episode brought to you by comicexposure.com. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I want to thank Scotty Schwartz for coming on and talking to us and most of all giving uh Damon here some some life advice and some <gasps> some love tips and hopefully you have a great um you have a good time trying to find your kissing coach. Oh, I'm gonna try it, man. Maybe the next guy psychic, who knows. Yeah. Um it's my sm- it's my smooch coach. Yeah. My smooch coach. <laughs> there you go. But guys, um if you had a good time this week, please make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, make sure you turn those bell notifications on. Smash those notification bells so you know when we go live every Friday night. 
7.30 p.m. live here on YouTube. Uh, remember, Comic-Con at Home is still going on for the next two days. So go check out any panels that you want to see there. The Bill and Ted panels at 3 o'clock tomorrow if you're looking for that. Um, you can watch the panels on playback if you want to watch any of the ones you missed. Uh, go experience that for yourself and and report back to us next week what you what you thought about Comic Con for home. But are you going to be doing any uh, any more live streaming of it? Uh, I'm going to do some. I haven't. I know I'm going to do the Bill and Ted panel tomorrow, but I'm not sure what other panels I'm going to do. I have to sit down and look at the the scheduling. So I'm going to do some like more live stream, streaming of it. So tell them to come watch it here. Yeah, absolutely. Come watch the I'm Bill and Ted panel here. DC at home day two at eleven tomorrow. Absolute Geek at Home, there you day go. two at 11. There you go. Breaking <laughs> down DC's hottest talent from Greg Capullo, Katana Collins, George well, that'll Jimenez, be, that'll be Dan Jurgens, Jim Lee, Sean Gordon Murphy, Scott Snyder, Tinian, and Brad Walker, alongside two other people I couldn't pronounce their names. Anymore. That'll be a so, good one. So, but guys, um, as always, please abs- you know, please help the, the network of podcasts we work with. Go them, Go and show them as much love as you show us every Friday night. Go show some love to Travis and Comic Exposure. Go show some love to the Couch Crunchers. Show some love to the Grizzle Geek. Uh, by the way, I want to give a big shout out to Max and a big congratulations to Max from Couch Crunchers as he became a first time father yesterday. Congratulations to him and his wife on the birth of their baby boy. Uh, baby and mom are doing good and our thoughts are with you guys. And again, congratulations, Max. Um, show some love to Grizzle Geek. Mike, happy birthday from Grizzle Geek. And always check out the podcast, man. Check out Brian on the podcast. They just did a uh, an interview with Jesse James Comics. Um, that I'm sure is going to be fantastic. Uh, check out Brian he's on starting, Tales he's, from the... He's, he's starting a Frogcast, too, yep. after tonight's conversation. That's what the podcast is, brother. <laughs> check, <laughs> okay. out, um, check out Brian Monday nights on Tales from the Flipside. And, uh, you know, every other show Brian does. All these other wacky, crazy things he's a part of. So got a Star Wars show coming soon. There you go. And uh, Solo Wookie is uh, is 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 uh, showing up. So Solo, yeah. we're stronger in numbers, and we're going to get places working together. So why not support your friends and great creators in the industry as well? So you know, shout out to all those podcasts. But uh, if you're listening to this back on Monday, make sure that like and subscribe button, leave us reviews. It goes a long way to help us in our um, podcasting standings. As always. For this week's episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast, my name is Matt. I'm Brian. I'm Corbin. Travis. And join us next week as we welcome psychic medium and life coach Artie Hoffman. And we'll see if he can give Corbin a little bit more love advice. Maybe even give Corbin a name of who his future love is going to be. Oh, wow. That's something. And we'll see you guys next time.